you find yourself with the same incurable curiosity as us, this is a place for you. This is Spiritual Smorgasbord with Cheyenne and Desiree. Hello, Shane. How's your day? It's amazing. How's your day? It's really good. Yeah. It's a happy, happy day. I, I showed up ready with all of my notes. I'm really excited about this episode. Right. And then um, you showed up shortly after in that beautiful, beautiful shirt. <laughs> and That was designed specifically for Cheyenne. It was designed specifically for me, <laughs> and now you're wearing it, so I get to look and see how awesome it looks on you. But you said that it's like 100% cotton blend. Yeah. And yeah. the one that you gave me was not cotton blend. It was not. And well, now, now the little now hippie you're a little jealous. Like, um, <laughs> you're like, why is mine not cotton? You know how I am with the natural fibers. Well, I found a new supplier, and they're not in the United States, which I'm kind of like, me. I really want them to be, you know, yeah. local. But We're all um, about that. Yeah, but uh, it's a supplier. They're doing uh, the print that can go on cotton and they're the, they're the only one that I found so far that can do 100% cotton and I got the sample in which is what you're seeing me in mm-hmm. and it's so bright and vibrant and vivid and so I'm going to get some more samples of like their short sleeves and other prints and so I might be bringing them on board we'll see I'm all about whatever you bring on board for yeah your clothing line and then when you let me wear them, it's even better. <laughs> You're like, I need some cotton. <laughs> yeah, I'll be out at I'll be out at the grocery store, just like figuring out what what fruit that I would like. Yeah, and I've had people walk up to me and be like, "Your shirt is powerful." Yeah, you know, it's I'm so- like, "Thank you so much." And obviously, yeah. I turn into a golden retriever. I'm like, "My yeah. best friend, she has clothing She made this for me. It's heart shaped box." <laughs> it's so funny because, like, I literally, I of course I wear my clothes all the time because, mm-hmm. like, I love them. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I. I almost never wear one of my shirts without someone going, oh, I love your clothes. And I used to say, oh, I design them. And now, like, I just stopped saying it because, like, it's all the time people are like, oh, I love your clothes. And I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> you know, yeah, thank it's like, you so much. Yeah. <laughs> I used to do that with Shy Dye, too. People yeah. would be like, dude, where did you get your shirt? Yeah. I'm like, well, it started at a Goodwill rack. Yeah. And you and, go into, like, a 20-minute, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. I, and all they're trying to say is, I like your clothes. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, okay, you got to get you got to get better at that. You got to yeah. build that awareness though. Yeah. Like, I was just so excited at the beginning. I was yeah. like, I created this yeah. and you like it. <laughs> right. You know, it's, like, what? it's the you equivalent like it? of like Mikey writing a it. song, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, the crowd sang my song back to me tonight. Yeah, like, exactly. That's what it feels like to me if I'm wearing one of the shirts that I poured so much love into. Exactly. I'm like, I love your shirt. I'm like, I love you. Right. Oh. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. here, let, let me tell you where you can go buy one. They're like, no, no, no. I like your shirt. I just, Thank I you. like yeah. it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Okay. So today we're following up Melanie's episode, yes. which we talked about so much stuff. I had so a lot much. of fun um, re listening to it. Usually I wait a little bit to edit. But Mm -hmm. I went home and just plugged the episode back on because she had a lot of information in Mm -hmm. there that um, takes a little bit even for me to digest, I think. Um, And I don't mean that in any bad way at all. I mean, like she 
she is transmitting something from above. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy that one, she came to on the show to do it. But I also went to meditation that night with her that she facilitates with Tegan. And I mean, I was just transported mm-hmm. every Tuesday. I look forward to like going into that room and having my quiet time and being safe, knowing that she can hold that space for me has mm-hmm. um, been something that I don't necessarily need her to prove to me but she did immediately like in our first class Mm -hmm. and now every Tuesday I walk in I'm just I'm elated to be there Mm -hmm. and I know when I walk out of this room I'm gonna like be better and feel better Mm -hmm. and I might go on a little bit of an insomniac fit because I have a higher um, creative output after I go to her classes as well Mm -hmm. Um, and we can talk a little more about tapping into more higher creative brainwave frequency later um because today we've basically like we're going to talk a little bit about meditation um the biggest thing is you know yin and yang energies polarities um the power really being in the balance of the neutrality yeah so to speak you know when we first met her she talked to us about um Embracing the divine masculine that we shouldn't be afraid of or run from. Or um, want to like put them down. Right. Just so we can stand up like. But honoring. Yes. Right. And it was kind of like light bulb. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there is value in the divine masculine. There's value in the divine feminine. Let's say that word again. (laughs) There you go. Yes. But there's value in all of it. And to truly like get to that place of good, you have to embrace the whole thing and balance that into a place of neutrality. And so I think um, that's what really attracted us to her originally. And then she kind of talked about that as well when she was here. And so I think that's what you and I were like, hey, let's really pull that apart a little more. Mm -hmm. As you were talking, you're... um I wish that I would have researched this more before I'm about to bring it up, but I'm just going to sprinkle it in (laughs) now that you said it. Um, One, when we met her at the pyramid and she Mm -hmm. opened up her meditation with, you know, thank you, divine masculine for the roads and the plumbing and my house and Mm -hmm. all of these structures and all of these analytical things that you created for us because you get the job done. Mm -hmm. Very, very powerful for me. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, yes, thank you so much. Because you're right. I do not think the masculine enough for things. Right. But the other thing that my mind always goes to when we're talking about um, the balancing of the yin and yang or the DF and DM is um, a lot of Egyptian archaeology. Any of those stories that you can go back to, there has been um, a lot of... I can't even think of the word I'm trying to say. It's like when one guy takes over and then another guy takes over. But I can't think of what they're called back then. What are they called? Pharaohs? Yeah. Would that be right? So yeah. the, mm-hmm. like, however long. Yeah. Like, this guy ruled for Dynasty? 50. Okay, sure. Okay. Okay, let's do that. Okay. Because, again, I was like, <laughs> I did not research this enough. I'm pulling this from something on Gaia that I read. Yeah. Anyways, they pulled up all of these dynasties Mm -hmm. that not only didn't rule that long, Mm -hmm. but when they did, they realized that um, there was a balance of masculine and feminine Mm -hmm. and there was a higher regard of the arts and the creator and the balance. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously like the capitalistic society and the whole working mentality wasn't, you know, number one. So it obviously pissed off some higher people in the thing, but According to Gaia, 
well, one of the shows on Gaia that I watched, um, they basically said that like a lot of these dynasties were like hidden so it wouldn't it wouldn't um affect the status quo to come. So it's like it's known that is universally we all know that there needs to be balance like behind every man is a good one whatever that saying is right you know but it it really talks about like the woman isn't behind the man the woman is beside the man and she has her hand on his back and her hand in front of him and she's helping guiding and balance is what you're saying yes and it's not the only way that the feminine's been suppressed we can Mm -hmm. you know go all the way back and talk about even like deuteromity deuteromity now I can't say. Uh, now I can't like, say. I heard it in my head, and then I'm like, Deuteron. wait, Deuteronomy. <laughs> Deuteron. I can't say it now. Deuteronomy. Is that right? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. <laughs> I think I'm just gonna keep it We're wrong. We're gonna get a whole bunch of emails like, why can't you guys? Why say that can't word? you say that? Why? Why couldn't I say it when I heard it in my head? Anyways, but that what I'm trying to yes. say, which I cannot pronounce. Yeah. Um, it was all feminine statues. And then, um, they came in and they're like, um, not only do you, can you not worship any of these statues, take all the divination, divination tools away. And you're not even allowed to look up at the sky. Cause it had a lot to do with astrology and astronomy back then. Cause mm-hmm. that was like the origin was mapping out the stars mm-hmm. and figuring out where herbs and berries kill you and don't kill you. Mm-hmm. Like that's where we're at is living off the earth. Right. And when they came in and took all the stuff away, not only did they take away the feminine statues, but they replaced it with masculine statues. Mm-hmm. So they tried to erase it and then pretend that they erased a completely different theology. Mm-hmm. So then like you would be like, walking home at night in your village in the year 200 or wherever we're at. <laughs> and um, if you looked up the, at the sky just to look up and see Orion's belt or something, you could be murdered on the spot. Wow. So everybody like walking around with their heads down and literally only listening to like a certain religious narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we went down a rabbit hole completely. We already read our outlines. <laughs> We've already tree branched. We've already tree branched. <laughs> but all of that was like popping into my mind as you were talking. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I remember like it's it's so known that the feminine mm-hmm. has been suppressed. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important if this isn't really like your wheelhouse or your terminology because um, it is my wheelhouse and my terminology to go any rabbit hole of yin and yang and balance this, balance that energy, energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do realize that there are people that come here and they're like, I've never heard what you're talking about before. Mm-hmm. So sorry about that tree branch if it got too far, <laughs> but I will put all of the documentaries that I find all of these fun little notes that come back up in my mind and send a little gratitude to the teleprompter in my mind right now. (laughs) And maybe we can figure out how to say, is it Deuteromery? Deuteromery? Can someone write me an email and tell me how to pronounce it? We I can get on just, YouTube right now and we need pronounce to just it. Google and like you know how it has the little pronounce pronunciation thing on Google. I'm gonna do it right now <laughs> if I can. How do you spell it though? Deuteronomy. I'm pretty sure it's Deuteronomy. It's, yeah, as soon as you said it, it pulled up. Yep. But okay, so here's the thing: is it says the fifth book of Moses is called Deuteronomy. <laughs> And I still can't say it right. Ronomy. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. And now they'll be like, she can't even say it right. She's clearly not educated in it. Now I'm just reiterating a documentary I saw about how once again the feminine has been suppressed. But 
There's plenty of time to get to that. What do you have over there? Starting our, <laughs> our yin and yang information. <laughs> so I thought I would start off by talking um, about neutrality um, and just start off really basic with going first to Wikipedia because, you know, Wikipedia. We love Wikipedia. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a really <laughs> neutral source of information. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, neutrality, as Wikipedia talks about it, is, um, so I think it's important to understand that neutrality can be seen as, um, uh, it can be seen as maybe ignorance or um, unbiased, but it's not that. What it really is, is neutrality is informed, it is, it can have bias, but it's, um, an understanding that even if you take sides or even if you have a bias or even if you have an opinion, it's your, um, it's your innate decision to not take sides. It's your ability to look at a situation and be able to be unbiased in that situation regardless of how you truly feel about it. And that's where neutrality comes in. Um, so if my kid, who I obviously am going to be very biased towards, is in a disagreement with another kid on the playground, I'm going to still be able to look at that situation um, and decide the, the best route, regardless if I think my kid's right or wrong. I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly. <laughs> you do, but yeah. what keeps coming to mind for me is also something I don't know if we dove too deep in her episode about, but um, it ties into what I'm about to talk later with Greg Braden. Um, but in order to hold the frequency of neutrality, now I'm getting that it's going to be compassion. Mm-hmm. That is going to keep you there and lead you in that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I just flipped back to my notes from our show and it says compassion equals the complete respect for the processes and the timing of the individual. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just what, again, just keeps mm-hmm. popping up in my head as you're yeah. talking. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense, especially about what we're going to talk about later. Yeah. Um. But that that neutrality is very important and yeah. still using that word is super new to me when I think about the balance that you need between both. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's really, it's hard. Like I think neutrality is kind of like my personal, um, challenge and goal, right? Because there's so many times, like for me personally, like, especially I think, I think it's one of the reasons I grew up in the family I grew up in where, um, I had, um, in the narcissistic environment, you are you are groomed to be a flying monkey, right? So you are groomed to I'm going to tell you the situation that's happening to me, and so and not just in that family, but I was groomed into being a flying monkey, right? So a friend can go, "Hey, this is happening to me," or an acquaintance can go, "Hey, this is happening to me," and my immediate reaction is. Let me go solve that for you. Let me go fight that for you. Let me go do this for you. Let me let me react on your behalf and let me be the Karen, right? So my Karen response is heavy. And it doesn't matter who you are. I'm going to go Karen for you. I never thought it was a Karen response because Karen well, is Well, I just, call it Karen. Yeah, right? but I think 
but I get I get angry. I'm like, and are you I talking go about after. like the hero response? Okay, maybe the hero. Like Karen, <laughs> but I don't. Karen I take is a no person prisoners. that complains about everything that shouldn't right. be complaining at all, right. and that's not what what you're talking about. Isn't a Karen? You're talking no. about a hero complex. Yeah, which I have I go save a you. lot. Yeah, yeah, I'll go save you. Yeah, my boyfriend was mean to me. My friend was mean to me. She yeah. said this about me. They did this yeah. to me. Oh, just. Stay on my couch. Right. Give me my baseball Let bat. Let me take care of this. I got this. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. And so I'm everybody's fine. I was lucky. like, you're not a freaking Karen. We're yeah. clearing this up right now. <laughs> well, you know, and it's like, and especially for my kids, like, you know, if my kids come to me and they're like, hey, mom, uh, this is happening. And I'm like, hold my beer. Like, I'm taking care of this <laughs> right dear. now, you know. And sometimes, like, my oldest, eventually, she was like, Mom, can I tell you something and you not do anything about it? <laughs> you know, she's yeah. like, she's like, I need you not to do this because you don't always make things better when you go after it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so um, that place of neutrality is, like, I'm fighting for that right now because I need to not react. And so um, I, I don't know why I went on that tangent, but... <laughs> Well, you I said that, you know, it, it is what you're working on right now and it's yeah. also your biggest goal. Yeah, because, you know, it's it's that space of like non-reaction, right? Because you can feel the emotion, you can feel the truth, you can feel how it makes you upset or angry or even, even on the opposite side of that where you... Um, you know, you get really exciting news and really great things. And, um, you know, rather than going overboard and, you know, all of that kind of thing, just sitting in the space of neutrality, you know, um, I think it's just really important to understand that that's a great place to be in rather than either of the extremes while still understanding that there is a place for that. Do you think um, in all of the things that we want in the world and out of the world and to an experience from the world that it's even possible to attain that consistently? Or is it is it something that you like hope that you can always go back to? Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think know. about like the vices of the world. Like if they were yeah. like, if you want to stay in consistent balance, Desiree, you must give up Starbucks tomorrow forever. Well, well it won't be tomorrow. <laughs> but you get what I'm that. saying? I mean, like when yeah. we get into dimensions and in, in mm-hmm. densities where these higher, um, I don't want to be like powers and magical forces. Um, it looks magical in my head right now. Yeah. Um, but these higher densities where these energies are able for us to work with at higher places. But we also talked about how we love having the human experience. Mm-hmm. So in our human experience, you like Starbucks. I love French fries. Mm-hmm. Specifically crinkle and curly. <laughs> right? So... We sit here and we want to research and figure out all of these, you know, ways to be better and feel better. And here we have, you know, an honestly simple guide to understanding the polarities inside yourself and outside of yourself. Um, a little bit of breath work, a little bit of take care of yourself, a little bit of unconditional love. You hit a little bit of a compassion frequency and now you're nice to everybody. Mm-hmm. But do you really want to hold that that neutrality all the time is what I'm saying. 
I mean, I think I do. And only because, here's why, because when I look back at, okay, so when I, um, when I was younger and I was, shut up, sit down, go to your corner, right? So when I found my voice and I was able to first stand up for myself and the power it gave me to be able to stand up for myself, and that felt amazing, to have that voice and finally be able to go, I can, I can stand up for myself. And then that went to the extreme of having to stand up for everybody else. And then that started feeling ugly, right? And so, so there's that, that pendulum, right? Can't stand up for yourself at all. Now stand up too now much. Now stand up for every and injustice. Then, so it felt ugly not to stand up. Mm-hmm. And then it felt ugly to stand up too much, right? And so I think, and so I think of that kind of pendulum. And for me, I want, I want that neutrality of just because you can doesn't mean you should. And just because you can doesn't mean you have to. You know, like I want that neutrality of I know that I can. It doesn't mean I have to. And I want to be able to observe without having to react. You know, I want, you know. Yes. Observe, don't attach is one of the biggest things that I had to pick up. Yeah. Coming into my life's purpose, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I came across, I think it was on like Facebook memories or rewind or something. Mm -hmm. And it was a post that I made almost eight years ago when I was living in Waco, Texas for a short stint training for a job. And I had a day off and I decided to go to like a local hangout spot where you could like run, walk, you know, just submerge yourself in the nature of Texas. And um, apparently I had this beautiful, beautiful epiphany um, to write this huge post on Facebook about I was I was in one of the beginner stages of recognizing the flaws of my old self, being very compassionate with myself and why I acted that way and did the things that I did. And then I was also mourning the people that I had lost because they weren't good for me or I wasn't good for them or like the lessons had been done, contracts been signed, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was writing about all of this and I was just like, you know, there's so many people that aren't in my life anymore that. I really wish that I could invite you back to the new me Mm -hmm. because um, the way that you met me isn't who I am now. And the way that I treated you, I would never do that to you now. Mm -hmm. And through this huge paragraph, um, I realized that even like today that I limit my progress and how I've been learning and how much I want to understand myself to then understand the outside world better. Mm -hmm. And being able to have that self-realization that just randomly popped up on Facebook yesterday, I didn't ask for this introspection, right? right? right. It just came <laughs> came upon me. Yeah. Um, but I loved being an observer of myself observing my past selves. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. this post I made, I think, eight years ago. And I was already and I already made the post to introspect those parts of myself that were imbalanced. Mm -hmm. And um, that's probably one of the biggest things that I always recommend to people. Like if they feel they're starting some sort of like journey transformation transformation mm-hmm. um I've, I've written in journals and, and written my whole life like since I since I could put a pen in my hand I was writing poetry mm-hmm. of some kind um 
but for people like they don't do that. Like that's not normal to them, which I realize there are people out there that don't write every day. Yeah. And that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you're like, get a journal and start writing to yourself, they're mm-hmm. just like, they think it's the weirdest thing in the world. They think it's like doing yoga or meditation for the first time. You're like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. It looks so simple. It looks like it can't work, mm-hmm. you know? And then, you know, if, people want to pick up that advice and use it they'll come back and be like dude I talk to myself in my journal yeah I'm like keep that keep that journal Mm -hmm. because in a couple years like you're gonna get in some weird rut and you're Mm -hmm. gonna find it cleaning and you're you're gonna want to connect to those parts of yourself Mm -hmm. because even though it's technically in the past for us on a linear timeline that those feelings still exist there's emotions still tied to them and there's actually a lot of healing there's Mm -hmm. a lot of answers in your past which doesn't get spoken about enough yeah but um tree marriage number two (laughs) go journal if you're starting yeah absolutely so yeah to answer your question I do think that I would like to exist in neutrality because it doesn't feel good for me to exist out of neutrality, to be on either side I of that pendulum. I love the pendulum swinging mm-hmm. that you have in your head. And yeah. I have a lot of similarities that I won't go into because we have so much to get we to. We do have a lot. Um, but I I agree with you and I struggle with it at the same time. Yeah. Like there, yeah. there are still things that obviously pull me out of my balance yeah. in my just so much. Every, everyday human life, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, I don't live there. I want to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I meditate on and I attain it. I know what yeah. I look like when I'm there. I know what yeah. my voice sounds like when I'm there. I mm-hmm. know what my energy feels like when I'm there. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's a lot. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thanks for opening up to me about that. Yeah. So as we move on, um, so I found an article from, um, it's a website called themindfulword.org. And uh, this fellow talks about my path to peace. And I just thought it was kind of interesting and introspective. I'll go through it real quick. You're, um, we'll link it, of course, and you can look it up. Um, but so he talks about um, how he kind of found his way to neutral. Um, and he starts it off by saying that misery is important, right? So um, it's painful, it's difficult, it's suffering, but it's important because it gets us through things, which I agree with. Um, pain is important. Wanting to skip the pain um, just pushes it down the road. It doesn't actually solve anything. So you have to feel it. Um, but then also we go through these phases of where we're like, I just want to be happy. Give me happiness. And we look for it in all kinds of things like um, our Amazon cart. We look for happiness. Our, um, you know, shopping sprees. We look for happiness. Um, road trips. We look for happiness. Um other people love, we look for happiness. We're always looking for happiness outside of ourselves. We're outsourcing our happiness, trying to find it. Um, I'm guilty of all of these, though, too. Me, but too. I, I also think yeah. of like serotonin and dopamine and yeah. all of these fun, like we know how to trick our bodies into being happy. Mm hmm. But we don't even realize like that we're doing it. Right. We're, but but what we're really doing is like I'm trying to find what I'm missing and I don't know what it is, um, you know, but I'm in pain and I want happy and I'm in pain and I want happy. And so he's like, OK, I'm just going to let go. I'm just going to let go of all of it. And he didn't know how. And practice he, non-attachment. Right. And he had kind of this like he he had this visualization where he was just like he was clenching his fists and so he just let go and he said all of a sudden like he just started having these flashes of lights and like all the dots started clicking and 
The flashing of lights is really important. Like, I just want to, I want yeah, you to keep going, like, but I'm like, can you pull that apart? No, go ahead. Go ahead. You and me? Yeah, go have ahead. You ha- have you ever had that experience where, like, you practice non-attachment in a meditative form and the flashing lights came? Have you seen anything like that at all? I haven't had flashing lights. I've had Satori's, but I haven't had flashing lights, no. Okay, because I've had, I've they look like, they're not like fireworks. They look like little little sparks Mm -hmm. it's the but like it's kind of like what the studio looks like now they all (laughs) blinked at like different times Mm -hmm. there's different colors there's colors that don't exist on earth but then there's also like a cloud of color that like comes over you you know it just looks like color in the wind um my the biggest ones that come to me are greens and blues um purple comes in and I know when purple comes in who's with me when purple comes in and then um when red comes in I'm like oh I'm about to go through something right because that's like a bunch of root chakra stuff for me um but when you brought up those flashing lights I always get really really excited when I read somebody else's research um about a certain like phenomena so to speak that they experienced the same thing that I did because mm-hmm. I'm like how is that even possible that You're we like, experience the same thing too. you have flashing lights too <laughs> well it's kind of like when I first came across the kundalini awakening I mm-hmm. was like oh my god I'm not the only one yeah like I'm not crazy <laughs> yeah that really did happen yeah that's freaking awesome so yeah. keep going I was just like oh no, my god okay. he saw flashing lights yeah we're no. friends <laughs> Well, so, yeah, so we had this state, and he said it was a a moment of profound understanding and revelation, and he experienced something that he'd only heard about, and it was a state of pure bliss, and all the dots started clicking, and everything came together, and um, the only thing he wanted after that point was to always feel that same state of bliss and peace. I totally understand that feeling, too. Yeah. And uh, me too. Like I've had those moments, and I'm like, okay, I never want to leave this. Like I never this moment leave right this. here. How did this I get right here? here? Don't leave. And then and then it starts yeah. slipping away, and you're like, gosh, dang it, come yes. back. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And so um so he said he wanted to get to like simplicity, and so he just started like letting go of everything and minimalist, and you know, live in a van kind of thing, right? You know, just mm. get rid of everything. Simplicity. Living in a van is that a love language? Is there six love languages? <laughs> the van love language. The van love language. <laughs> um, you know, he didn't buy anything. He didn't do anything. He just, you know, he had a mattress, and that's it. You know, um, and then he said that it needed to go even further so he cut off all ties to the world um and it and even though he said even though he couldn't see the world it didn't mean the world couldn't see him and um you know so he was being indifferent and um he said that it it became hard because people the world really wants you to form opinions they want you to form opinions and they don't understand when you don't take a stand and so people were confused by that, that they were confused by his neutrality. And um, so he started becoming really selective about where he used his mind because he what he understood was that the brain is finite. It's limited and it can only hold so much. And so he didn't concern himself with things like birthdays or anniversaries or, you know, calendar events or any of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so that really confused other people. But when he stopped paying attention to things that to him didn't matter, then he was able to 
focus on things like peace and kindness and happiness and love. And then he was able to find this space of neutrality. And in that space, he was able to become non-reactive and focus on um, just non-emotion. And that's how he was able to find his peace. And so I just thought that article was really um, interesting, I guess, for lack of a better word. It is. I mean, I remember I was on the phone one day with my friend. Oh, God, how long ago was this? 2000, maybe 12 or Mm -hmm. something like that. We were just like checking back in with each other. Like, what are you into now? What are you doing? Take this music playlist. I'll talk to you in a year. (laughs) You know, one of those. And um, he'd been living by himself um, for a while. So obviously like new place, new town, no friends, no nothing. Um, Just graduated from college not too long ago. So he was transitioning from you know, the college life where the parents are still there to, hey, kid, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was rebuilding his life, and he was it was really kind of him to, like, be very vulnerable and share with me um, what he was going through at the time. Um, and what he was learning at the time was more fascinating to me because I still lived at home in um, the town that I was from, just dreaming about what it would be like to live on my own out in a new place, not around anybody that I knew. Mm-hmm. And my friend was literally like living what I wanted to live right now, living mm-hmm. where I wanted to live too. So I was like, tell me about it. Right. Um, and he had started meditating and I was like, no way. Like we, we can do that. You know, like that's where I was. <laughs> and then he talked to me about like breath work. Just mm-hmm. I couldn't even tell you what it was. I'm sure it's super beginner. Um, and he w- would talk to me about like right after his meditations, he would come up and he would just like start writing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, please share these writings with me. Mm-hmm. And when he would, I was like, you're so far past me. Like, I love this. Like, I'm in love with this writing. Anything this guy could have written and been like, look here, just woke up at 5 a.m. and wrote these three sentences I would be like these are profound writings and it always blew my mind I never understood it until um in that same conversation he was like hey do you know what Buddhism is and I was like what are you into like this is so exciting he like he was like breaking my core beliefs with that Mm -hmm. with like very kindly I didn't Mm -hmm. know what he was doing Mm -hmm. but I trusted anything that he ever told me so he was like yeah when we get off the phone he's like look up this 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 and this which is what I do to people every day now Mm -hmm. but like he was he was the person that like infiltrated my mind Mm -hmm. so I get off the phone with him for like the next couple weeks I rabbit hole down everything that we talked about everything that he told me to look up and I really just had like these crazy moments where I'm like how is he able to meditate and when he meditates like how was he able to write like these really profound, just, I don't want to be like out there mm-hmm. poems or anything because, but they spoke to me. Like I understood what he was trying to say in between the words that he chose. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we ended up talking within like a couple months and I am like down the Buddhism Hinduism rabbit hole mm-hmm. because I'm like, this stuff is amazing. It feels right. It's everything this makes sense to me. I'm not saying I'm Buddhist or Hindu. I'm saying you just when, connected I, to what when I was, I was 100% connected mm-hmm. to it and it made sense to me, mm-hmm. you know, like the yin and yang of it, so to speak, mm-hmm. even though I'm bringing in Chinese philosophy, but mm-hmm. the balance in it, the masculine, the feminine, all of their stories, it all made sense to me. And I get on the phone with them one day and we're checking back in and he's like, I was like, dude, I am 
down this Buddhist rabbit hole. Like I just bought my first book on meditation and I'm really nervous to meditate, which I realize I'm just really nervous to meet myself, Yeah, you know, <laughs> is what it turns out it is. I was like, but reading this literally makes me want to cut the rest of my life out sell all of my stuff, get on a plane and just go meditate in the mountains the rest of my life and achieve like nirvana. And he was like, really? He's like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) And I was like, you're kidding. Like you're already (laughs) meditating. Like you're already reading this stuff. So now I look back in my mind and I'm like, I still feel that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. I still feel like, oh, just put me on a plane. I'm done. Yeah. Just sit me in a forest. I'm just going to until I'm done mm-hmm. because I just don't want to do all of this stuff yeah. anymore. Yeah. And then the dude that introduces that philosophy to me is like, no, I, I, I kind of like the world. Yeah. I kind of like what's going on <laughs> over here. But I always um, go back and think about those people that like tuck those like little seeds Mm -hmm. into you Mm -hmm. and that is the one that just came up when you said that is when I was like oh shit when I found Buddhism I was like done nope Mm -hmm. I don't want a career I don't want a 401k I don't want any of this I want to go and sit on a mountain and just connect with who God is to me Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know really how to end that story I just know that I was (laughs) really excited to tell you that when you brought that up because I'm like oh 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 yeah Okay, so I have to know. Do you still talk to this guy? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just have to know. <laughs> it, I mean, it's it is very. Um, uh, there is no timeline. Like yeah. I know we're on a linear timeline, mm-hmm. but me and my friend are not. Okay. So if I had to be like, oh, why haven't I talked to him in a few years? I don't really have those answers, Mm -hmm. but it really is just like an ethereal connection that I've had since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And, um, every time he calls me, like if I don't have a notebook near me, like I'll, I'll eventually have to like grab a post it. Cause Mm -hmm. we always give each other really, really good reference material. Mm -hmm. You know, one night we got off the phone, he said, Hey, um, before you go, Uh, I went to a Dead and Company show, changed my life. You have to go check out all of the Grateful Dead, everything that they've ever made. (laughs) And you should check out Moths because they're super frisky. (laughs) And I didn't understand that at all. And what happened to me was I went down, again, a two-week rabbit hole of the Grateful Dead and animal totems and spirit animals. (laughs) Just And he wasn't like, check out Moths as animal totems, check out Moths as a spirit animal. And I swear he doesn't even remember that he said it bless his heart yeah and if I was like why did you tell me to look up mods he's like I don't even know (laughs) so I 100% believe that like our souls just talk to each other like we're the translator of our souls yeah and we say stuff that maybe we mean and don't mean at the time. And mm-hmm. then if one of us brings it back up and we're like, hey, do you remember this? It's like, I don't know why I would have said that. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> OK, well, your soul meant for me to go down a rabbit hole the next two weeks about it. And yeah. I did. And yeah. now this is what inspired me afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like fun. it's like an ethereal scavenger hunt when yeah. I'm talking to him and it <laughs> connects so many it like connects a lot of dots it lights a lot of things up that mm-hmm. I don't really think could happen without him in my life so super big gratitude to that yeah. friend on the phone that tells me to look up just random shit all yeah. the time <laughs> I have no idea when I talk to him again even if I talk to him again I'm sure 
yeah. something trippy will come up yeah. if we do talk. <laughs> we'll we'll just exchange music and giggle at all the years we've known each other. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, so branch back. <laughs> back to the episode. Okay, so the um so the next thing is um talking a little bit about the divine feminine and the divine masculine. Um so the divine feminine feminine <laughs> apparently we're gonna say deuteronomy again i'm done with that word okay <laughs> <laughs> so divine feminine energy is about following your intuition going with the flow uh doing what feels good being empathetic and it's of course about abundance whereas divine masculine energy is all about serving protecting being assertive hustling and working hard is there anything that you wanted to add about divine feminine and divine masculine um like for me i know that like feminine is creativity and free flowing and then um the masculine is like more analytical structured you know like there's certain jobs that i would be like really good divine masculine jobs really Mm -hmm. good divine feminine jobs Mm -hmm. like i don't think a divine feminine would be a really good banker probably not not the speaking of the energy right right purely yeah we're speaking energy yes the energy of the divine feminine right (laughs) Right. yeah being a banker and Mm -hmm. being forced to be left brain all the time yes right Right? but no i'm not saying a woman shouldn't be a banker because (laughs) no that's not what i'm saying because when we speak of divine feminine energy a man or a woman has that energy a yes. man and a woman both have that energy absolutely because we all have both divine feminine and divine masculine energy in us at all times absolutely it's just which one's more dominant yeah and which one do you operate off of yes which i'll take over right now and on a tangent but i promised myself that i wouldn't so you could get through <laughs> your stuff um so really all i have to add is yes the feminine is the creative in the Absolutely, 100% the masculine is the analytical and the logical and the protective. Yeah. Which is great because when um, I share brain hemisphere stuff in a few minutes, it'll kind of connect to what you're talking about right now. Yeah. So um, there was a a good article um, that I found on goop.com, G-O-O-P, um, called Balancing Your Feminine and Masculine Energies. This is wonderful. Yes, it really is. Um, so if you want to know where you are, um, this is this is going to be really good for you. So get out your pens and papers because it's going to be fun. Um, so, but before we start this, I want to kind of go over like my own personal way to remember. Um, so yin and yang is feminine and masculine and how I relate those and remember which is which in my own mind. So um, yin is feminine and so and yang is masculine. And so what I do is I act like I have a lisp when I say it. So feminine is feminine. Yin is feminine. Mm -hmm. Feminine. Mm -hmm. And yang is masculine. So yin is feminine, feminine, and yang is masculine. yang. So yang is masculine, and yin is feminine. I was writing these terms down today for my notes, and I was like, how am I going to remember what is what over and over? Yeah. Just so I don't accidentally mess them up and switch them around? Yeah. So feminine so and masculine. yang. Mine is <laughs> yang has a thing. Oh. <laughs> right? And yin 
is in. Oh. Because it's like the shoot. Indian Audis, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's funny that you're like, in order to memorize these, this is what I chose. I was like, I always have to have a little bit of some mm-hmm. sacral shock. Some way to remember <laughs> some, it, yeah. Some type of down there energy you're to like, remember. Yang has a thing. <laughs> Yang has a thing. And yin is in. And yin is in. <laughs> so, okay. But also I have them tattooed on my hands. Well, that's so, true. Well, that's part of my segment. So, so yeah. Now you know. Yin and yang. I don't think you'll forget. <laughs> well, if you do. <laughs> Tattoo them on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get at it. So balancing your feminine and masculine energies. Okay, so there's basically four divine energy types. The greater yin, the lesser yin, which to me is a little confusing because it basically means that you're more yin than you are yang. And so if it's that, then it's lesser yin. Are you talking about your energies being in overdrive or you're born with more? It's how you, it's how you're expressing your energies. So greater yin is mostly yin energy. Lesser yin is um, more yin than yang. Lesser yang is more yang than yin. This is what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. And greater yang is mostly yang. So if if like I'm in math class, I know, right? Okay, so if there's yin in the name, there's more yin than yang. (laughs) I'm confusing myself just speaking. I was like, you should move on. I know. Okay, (laughs) gosh, dang it. Okay, if there's yin in the yang, (laughs) wait. If there's yin in the name, it's there's more yin involved, and if there's yang in the name, there's more yang involved. Just remember that. And if it's greater, then it's mostly it's mostly that. And if it's lesser, there's not as much. <laughs> okay, we're, we're moving on. Okay. Oh, gosh dang. Okay, so if you have greater yin energy, meaning a lot of yin. So this is about as feminine as you can get. And the energy is associated with stillness, nighttime, intuition, creativity, your feelings, and your senses. So is this you? Ask yourself. Um... You feel it all. You feel things sometimes before actually understanding them. You have a bleeding heart. You tend to side with the underdog. You may require more alone time than most. It's possible others have called you needy or sensitive. And you may not necessarily be an introvert, but you likely exhibit introverted tendencies. Your strengths, you're great at getting vulnerable, honest, transparent, and authentic. And it's a beautiful thing. It's nearly impossible for you not to be in integrity. You're wise, you're pensive, and you have the ability to connect deeply with any person or situation. And when your energies are in balance, most people feel special in your presence and that you're totally seen, heard, and understood by you. But when you're imbalanced, um, you're such an empath that you can easily be an energy sponge and take the energy of any environment that you're in. And this can be very disempowering for you. You're especially in tune with parts of the day that hurt your feelings, even if just for a few minutes. So of a 24-hour period, 
Even if just a moment doesn't go your way, you're likely to ruminate on that few minutes rather than feel empowered by the entire glorious day that you just had. It's like your mind is being held hostage by your feelings and those cyclical thoughts. Okay. Oh, do I have something to add to this? Go. Okay. So I was going to bring this up earlier, but I had no idea that you were going to say that. So I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. Um. So these post-its that I wrote over a year ago, mm-hmm. and I was like, we have to do an episode of this, and mm-hmm. that day is today. So there's a guy named Vincent Gena, I'm assuming is how he says it, because okay. it's G-E-N-N-A. Okay. Right? So if it's wrong, my bad. But he says, if you are feeling disconnected, you still want energy. You are just taking it versus making it. So from that point on, you become an energy thief at that point. So it's up to you to tap into your greater power source, which ultimately is the synchronization of heart and mind. Mm. But as you were saying that, I was like, oh, my gosh, Vincent says something exactly like that. That's so crazy that we brought that up on both of our notes. Yeah, absolutely. But the taking energy from people, Mm -hmm. I don't think that. I know there's the terminology of energy vampire. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that they realize they have that power to alchemize their own energy. Mm -hmm. And we just proved it twice over that you can. Super simple. (laughs) But I, I got really excited when he said that. Yeah. Okay. So next we're going to go to the opposite end of the pendulum. And we're going to talk about greater yang. So this is people who live most of their life in their masculine energy. So greater yang energy is assertive, goal-oriented, accomplished, and dominant. And this energy is associated with daytime, activity, vision, and power. So is this you? You're a boss and you know it. Everyone knows it. You've always been a natural leader. It's likely that the kids on the playground assisted you in a role before you could even cognitively process the magnitude of your strengths. You're a fabulous problem solver. You think big, dream big, and shift energy in a big way. You'd get bored otherwise. Your strengths, you can hustle without feeling burned out. You move mountains. You often save the day. You're totally tapped into the bigger picture, and you're fabulous fabulous at keeping your eyes on the prize. You are an all over your, sorry, (laughs) you're all mind over matter, and what a beautiful mind you have. You likely have a pretty robust constitution and handle and hardly ever get sick. Though when you do get sick, it likely knocks you out. You've been blessed with a little extra energy, motivation, and drive. You think fast, excel, and grow faster than most. When you're imbalanced, you're not, if you're not already referring to yourself as a type A, I'm sure others are. It's easy to you, for you to feel failed by or be disappointed by others. People may not even bother helping you out because they know that you do a better job than they will they may be they may easily get intimidated by you and not share really relevant or sorry I can't read apparently (laughs) really relevant or important information that could be impactful to you or your relationship with them you know what you want and you've got energy and drive to make it happen so you do this hustle comes so naturally to you, but you are likely aren't giving yourself enough credit for all that you do. It's common for greater yang folks to feel overwhelmed by themselves and to do all, all the things for all the people. 
You give too much and don't receive enough, even though another won't complete the task as well as you would, let them do it and reserve your energy. You know you'll have plenty of opportunities to exercise your power, so save your energies for those that count the most. Do you have anything to add? No, I really enjoyed um, trying to figure out if that was me. <laughs> well, that's what you're supposed to do. I know. I'm like, hmm, yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, no. I, I used to portray myself. I used to do that. <laughs> it was a big self-audit. I don't have, uh, like, really, I was into the paragraph that you were saying. So I'm like, yeah. Okay. Rarely am I speechless. So some, so you might be fully feminine or fully masculine, but now we're going to talk about the lesser yin. So this is someone who is um, mostly feminine, but some masculine. So the lesser yin is a dominant yin, but slightly more fluid. So it says like 60 to 80, 80% yin and 20 to 40% yang. A tendency towards introversion, creativity, and stillness um, and emotions. So is this you? In general, you're pretty well balanced. You're sensitive and curious. You're likely more creative than analytical, and you're more introverted than extroverted. You're self-aware and you're able to go with the flow. You may find yourself surrounded by more dominant personalities that tend to take charge. You process, uh, your process is all yours, sometimes slower than others, but it's your journey of self-discovery and you appreciate truly connecting with it. You're enthralled by the process, your strengths. You create a safe space wherever you go. You're fluid with your feelings, allowing other people to explore theirs. You'll often advocate for those who aren't advocating for themselves, even if you don't advocate for yourself. The imbalance. Rolling with the punches is rad, for as long as it's making your life easier. If it leads to too much self-sacrificing or self-abandoning, it's going to catch up with you and eventually feel like bitterness, resentment, or like you're being taken for granted. It's okay to express your needs. They're just as valuable and as, as important as anybody else. So we're going to talk about the lesser yang. So this is when you are mostly in the yang, but sometimes in the yin. So this is um, more extroverted, active, and dominant with a tendency to move a little faster pace. So is this you? You're open-minded and kind-hearted. You expect a little more from life than most, and you tend to be passionate and playful. You're into being creative, dreaming big, and with a healthy understanding of pragmatics and limitations. While you're future-oriented and great at accomplishing goals without taking yourself too seriously or getting too bummed when the stars don't align. Your strengths. Everyone seems to be drawn to you. You're curious and always learning and growing. You have this knack for finding magic in, in people and experiences. You make life look easy. You have a lovely balance of fierce and flow with a great sense of adventure and a healthy work-life balance. There's way too much life out there to discover to limit yourself to just one every area of interest. The imbalance. You've got a little extra yang, which is cosmic creation, energy in you. And if you don't use it wisely, it will turn against you. Despite everything being great, you may feel trapped, stuck, or anxious. You may even feel ungrateful for all your blessing. 
and sabotage a healthy job or relationship because it's too peaceful. So. I can't pick just one. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Like I can't. I do pick out a lot of things again for my past selves and my present selves and who my future self will be. And I don't I don't know. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole right now with myself. <laughs> That's okay. You can it's, you can take it offline. It's fine. See, yeah, I'm like this is very <laughs> introspective and this is not what I want to do with my brain right now. Yeah. <laughs> this is a lot. Yeah. But it does it makes a lot of sense, especially when you break it down. Yeah. Into like that many people. Like I hope if somebody's listening that they are as melted as my mind is right now. Yeah. Cause again, I don't I don't want to put myself in one category. I never yeah. do. Yeah. Um, but they're there are characteristics in everything that you have said that I'm like, ooh, yeah, mm-hmm. ooh, yeah. Or, mm-hmm. oh, it reminded me of a time where I really encompassed that specific energy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. So I'm bouncing everywhere because I'm like, gratitude, yeah. Oh, we don't do that anymore. Oh, shit, we still do that. Mm, oh, work on yeah. that. Oh, okay, high five. I definitely saw myself mostly in the extremes, in the yin and in the yang more than in the middle two. Um, but I'm sure like, I don't know, like, like you say, like I have to pull that apart a little bit. Yeah. 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 I cannot pull it apart right now. Yeah, exactly. We'll have to redo the episode. (laughs) Yeah. Listen to it. Yeah. So they did also give some tips on how to balance, which is great, right? Like, so now you see yourself. So how do I balance myself? Right. That's great. So, okay. So tools for balancing the greater yin. So tools for balancing the feminine, um, meditate, journal surprise 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 uh sleep nap which seems to be the same thing to me um take time for yourself set aside time to feel your feelings um you are your own superpower cry to just cry throw an adult temper tantrum (laughs) because you know you're in your feelings so do it those are fun yeah um and dance it all out the key to set aside um, time daily for practice and get ahead of the feelings. For you, feelings are like a portal to your intuition and your internal navigation system. They offer you helpful feedback. When you don't set aside enough time for them, they that feedback may come in retroactively as it can take you longer than most to process what the fuck just happened. <laughs> It's always funny when you guess. <laughs> well, it says WTF, so, uh, you know, I, I said the words. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, to use your feelings as a foresight and not a hindsight. Create space for them. Try to schedule a 20-minute block of sacred space once or twice daily, mornings before work or afternoons to recalibrate, or in the evenings in between switching gears are all great times to tune in to you. So... Lesser yin tools for balancing. Uh, Creative projects are fun for you as they can be just as insightful as they are productive. While you do value simply sitting with your feelings and having meditation or journaling practice, you are also in forward motion, resolution, and measurable outcomes. So the creative process can be a perfect mirror for your spiritual growth. Whether you're learning the choreography to your favorite song or making a new handmade coffee mug and pottery class, plan to get time for yourself and have something to show for it. So for yes, lesser yang, nurture your never-ending curiosity. 
innocence, sense of adventure, and desire for growth. Join classes, get into something new um, on the regular. I'm taking one or two new hobbies each year. Maybe it's dance, a foreign language, learning how to invest in cryptocurrency. Whatever it is, you will ultimately outgrow it and need something new. Plan for this so it doesn't surprise or upset you. And then the greater yang. Can't nobody stop a star from shining. (laughs) Lean into your strengths without apologizing or trepidation. The sooner you own that you are a strong, benevolent leader, the easier it will be for others to follow suit and help you out. What's cool about you is that you were born with all the cosmic consciousness that has you totally winning in life. You're also a sweetheart and not trying to win if it means others lose. Trust that everyone wins when you take control. It's a position of great responsibility and not for everyone. So go for it, bitch. I added that last time. I was like, was that on the page too? It was not. It was not. That was me. That was all me. (laughs) The devil on my shoulder is like, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Really great tips and tricks. Those those match um, about some things that I'm going to go into. Yeah. And I love when our research mirrors each other. Yes. Um, did you have anything else? Nope, nope. That's all I that's all I brought today. Then that's awesome. Yeah. I loved everything you brought. I love Other than how my our little sprinkling commentary that I'm gonna add into whatever you've brought. Which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to remember like how I actually want to deliver everything because I have like a couple little things to add in and stories that are like, don't forget to mention me. Right. And I'm really going to try. Um, but right now, uh, I'm going to take over the episode. Yes. And for everybody that's still with us, thanks for hanging out. Um, could you do me a favor and picture the like yin yang sign in your mind? The, uh, right? Like the circle with the black and the white and the, and the dot and the dot and yeah. the. All that, right? When you said picture the yin-yang sign, I'm like, what's it called? And then I'm like, yeah, dummy, it's called a yin-yang. It's called a (laughs) yin-yang. I mean, I guess. I didn't see anything else that was like, it's actually called this. It just says yin-yang. Yeah, it is. Um, Okay, so I want to pull this symbol apart because this was one of the symbols when I was a kid um, that I came across over and over and over. Um, I shorted out. Um, I was having childhood memories of seeing a yin and yang symbol. Um, Anyways, I always wanted to know more about it. um, And I didn't know really how to study origins at the time. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like, we got a computer in our house when I think I was like 10 or 12. And that started the World Wide Web. Mm -hmm. And that was for, like, book reports. I didn't know you could, like, research everything you loved about life. Yeah, all you could do was type. Was it green screen or was it, like, color screen? What are you talking about? On my computer that yeah. I got? Oh, it was, I think it was like a Dell. Okay. What color you know? was the screen? Black and green? I think it was blue. I don't know. Was what it, do did you mean you, the screen? Like, did, like it had a screensaver. Okay. We put a screensaver on it. That's all I know. I'm just trying to figure out how old your computer was, man. It was a Dell and <laughs> it was the 90s. Okay. And then my dad bought like a gateway, I think is what it was called. And I remember it had a bunch of cows as the screensaver. Okay. So then you, you didn't have the old computers like like old Desi had. No. <laughs> okay. And you know this. I don't know this. Okay. I don't know this. When you're like, I went on the computer, you were coding, right? 
Like the the World Wide Web technically is there, but it's not as accessible as it was when I got it. When I got it, we had askjeeves.com. Okay, so you were full on color screens. Then. Yes. Okay. There was no coding. It's exactly okay. like it is now where you're like, I have to okay. go to Google. Let me type this in. <laughs> okay. okay. I will say the interface is a lot better. <laughs> right. But when yeah. you're a kid and you've been riding your bike up to the library every day after school to research Kurt Cobain's suicide in fourth grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a big deal to be able to do your own research at home. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, anyways, okay, so picture the yin and yang sign in your mind. And it says, one, yang is masculine. It also stands for daytime, so you correlate it to the sun. And it is the white half with the black dot in the symbol. And then the yin, which is the feminine, is night, which is more lunar energy, which is why I have a little moon mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. um, and that will be the black half with the white dot. So as far as a little bit of origin, first of all, is yin and yang Japanese or Chinese? Because it plays in both cultures. So let's just talk about why it probably plays in both cultures right now. It says it is based on the Chinese philosophies of the five elements and yin and yang introduced into Japan at the beginning of the sixth century. It was accepted as a practical system of din divination. Um, yin and yang or yin yang is a complex relational concept in Chinese culture that has developed over thousands of years. Um, I'm going to say a couple different versions of it because I like the way that everybody says it. So like the origin of the symbol, the actual like white and black, it says the origin of the symbol is found in the ancient Chinese timekeeping system of using a pole to measure the changing lengths of shadows over the solar year. It was invented in China at least as long ago as 600 BCE, which is before common era. And then over here, it says, in ancient Chinese philosophy, yin and yang is a Chinese philosophical concept that describes how obviously opposite or contrary forces may actually be complementary. Why can I not talk today? <laughs> Might actually complementary, interconnected, and interdependent in the natural world and how they may give rise to each other as they interlate to one another. Which is three different variations of saying um, balance, understanding, compassion, communication, relation. Mm -hmm. Just it, I just see it like so flowy, always mm -hmm. coming together. So I really want to say that. Um, I really like how the symbol, of, like it, the black and white, right? So it's mm -hmm. mostly black, mostly white, and then they also both have like a little bit of each other in them. So it's like, yeah, yeah I just like the mm. symbol, like the. Not the symbology, but like the visual impact of the symbol, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Just, you're right. Yeah. I what? thought I was going to sneeze there. Hold on. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, I have always felt at peace when I see that symbol. Mm -hmm. um, even from a kid not understanding the origin of it, anything, mm -hmm. just knowing, oh, this is yin this is balance, this is good and evil, this is, you know, whatever we've mm -hmm. made it up to be over the years. Um mm -hmm. Brings up a good point because I always think peace. Yin and yang are also meridian lines in your bad day. Right. So um, you're going to have 12 meridians based on uh, Chinese medicine. You're going to have six yang and six yin. These run along the surface of the body as lines of energy forces. Um, every time we talk about energy, I immediately want to go into the chakra system and all of this stuff. So I'm going to just try to stay on point with... Um, 
you know, not going off topic and staying with the meridian lines. Um, I'm not going to go super in depth into them just because I know that we've already done an episode on these. Um, but for anybody who didn't catch that one and was like, hey, there's yin and yang like in my actual body. Wait a minute. I'm a dude. I'm a chick. That's impossible. Um, again, we're here to just let you know that there's masculine and feminine in everybody and the powers and the neutrality. So um, there's a few ways that you can open up these energy meridian lines. Um, one is acupuncture, um, acupressure and a shiatsu meditation which is technically i think it is yeah it's a pseudoscientific concept in traditional chinese medicine such such as like um uh, chi meridians so it's all about moving that energy which is why i obviously want to go into chakras because we talk about what energy is stored where that needs released um the thing about the shiatsu Massage is it's actually an older Japanese massage massage modality called amna. And that's really all I know because it tucked in pseudoscience and then it tucked in an older massage modality. So I'm guessing that they've just found better ways to not do this. But I think it's more of a derivative of acupuncture, acupuncture, acupressure um, research is probably the best way I could say it. But I wanted to bring those in because I'd never heard of it before until we started looking up all the different ways that you can open up your meridian lines. Besides, like, not outsourcing it to, you know, the needle stuff or even anybody rubbing on you, you can just do it at home by stretching, um, shaking, and vibrating is really good. Um, I have something at home. We call it a chi machine, and I know that you have it here at Satori, and I can't think of what it's called. I think it's called a dolphin. Okay, maybe. I don't know. Well, maybe you have to put like a picture. You put your ankles in it. You put your ankles in it and and it shakes your body for like 20 minutes back and forth. Mine goes up to 30 very vigorously. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, let's get it out. (laughs) Um, And then like after there, you just like lay there and then you can feel all of the tingling, like the energy like coming out of you. I relate it to if you do a really good yoga class and then you have a sweet shavasana which is literally corpse pose on the floor where you let all of the prana release from all the parts of your body and out and overtake all the parts of your body that needed to be rejuvenated. Oh God, it just feels so good talking about Shavasana. Anyways, um, you can also do held postures, um, which is going to be, you know, breath work, yoga, basically. Um, You can do Tai Chi. Um, Tai Chi is the Chinese martial art and system of calisthenics. I hope I say that right too, um, consisting of sequences of very slow controlled movements. Um, I dated a guy once that did chai, tai Chi in college class. I've always wanted to learn Tai Chi. Like I came home one day and he was doing Tai Chi and I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, well, I dropped this. So now I'm taking Tai Chi. And I was like, are you taking it seriously? You know, and he was like, I feel something like he went in like super skeptical. I'll just do this. It'll be an easy A type thing. And within a couple of days, he's like, there is something to Tai Chi. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm. you know, I, I was just getting into yoga, though. So like that's the route that I was taking. And I would come and he would be moving super slow. Yeah. Which now I think I would be into a Tai Chi class. See, I've wanted a live Tai Chi class because I bought like the CDs and mm-hmm. I'm like, OK, I've, I've never done the CDs. So I don't know why I bought those. And then I bought like one of those courses online where like you can learn Tai Chi. And I'm yeah. like, why did I do I that? 100% but I 100% believe it's an live. in-person. Yeah, I want to do live in-person. Because it's all about energy and feeling anyways. Yeah. 
And so that's yeah. how I want to learn. So I, but I really, ugh, I want that so bad. So if anybody in Wichita is listening and knows where we can do some Tai Chi, please oh, it's not like just reach Wichita. out. No, no. We'll travel. Okay, I'll travel. Desiree needs somebody in Wichita. Yeah, I, I never limit myself to where I'm living. Well, no, but like I want to, I want to like, I want to have a consistent practice. Well, that makes I sense. I can't travel consistently. <laughs> that makes sense. Like I, I don't mind just learning. Like going to somebody's yeah. workshop and then coming home. Not. I mean, a I would consistent do that, but I would like a consistent practice. Well, then that makes sense. Anyways, I still stick with what I originally said. <laughs> I am willing to travel. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll travel to learn, but I will like- travel to learn, but <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Okay. So those are a couple ways to open up the meridian lines in you. And again, that's just tying into the yin and yang in your body. Um, just because I also know growing up, like yin and yang was like some cool magical dragon character to me. So really like <laughs> grounding it down to the fact that that is the two parts of your body. Super, super cool. Now keep in mind that the masculine, um, the, I'm going to mess this up again. Sorry. Um, I'm going to switch over to the hemispheres of the brain because this is where sometimes I get messed up. So like the feminine is the left side of your body, like where all the meridians run, right? And then the right side of your body is the masculine. But when you go to brain hemispheres, the left hemisphere is the masculine and the right hemisphere of your brain is the feminine. I love bringing that up because it literally like paints a picture of like DNA spiraling up or the fact that like every part of your body consistently has to work together in order for you to function. So I know there's a lot of people that are very disconnected from their bodies. Don't like, I have no idea how they exist at this point with not giving any care at all besides, Oh, it told me it's hungry. Oh, time to poop. You know, like stuff like that. <laughs> um, and maybe it's just because I'm like super into understanding how every part of my body connects. But after, you know, I obviously saw the left hemisphere, right hemisphere, got into hemi-sync meditation and just a bunch of other ways to like balance and connect my body since I've always felt like I've just been in a divide and lived in a divide my whole life. Um, it talks about like finding that moment of bliss and then it like slipping away from you because you can't stay at that frequency and being mm-hmm. like, what do I have to do to get back to that? Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it felt for me when I started connecting all of these different parts of it wasn't mythology. It wasn't theology. It wasn't a religion. It was me literally connecting parts of my own body that I am a sovereign being in that I have 100 percent responsibility and control over mm-hmm. and taking responsibility for the positive and negative energy in you, but also the masculine and feminine in you Mm -hmm. was um, very eye-opening for me to say the least. So a couple things that I wanted to focus on after explaining the left and the right hemispheres of the brain is, um, so the left, we talk about the masculine. The left side of the brain is also going to be analytical, Analytical thought, detail-oriented, um, perception-ordered, sequencing, rational rational thought, um, verbal, cautious, planning, math and science part of your brain, logic, um, right field of vision, right side motor skills. Did you, did you think that was crazy because that was the left part of your brain that controls this hand? No. So, I, I mean, I know that, like... The brain on one side controls the body on the other. Mm-hmm. Like, I know they cross the 
the mm-hmm. path is the I opposites. know you know, but yeah. was there a time when you didn't know that when you realized like how oh, important sure. it is for all of these yeah. to work together that you're like, shit. Yeah. So then the right side is intuitive thought, holistic perception, random sequencing, emotional thought, nonverbal, adventurous, impulsive, creative, writing, artistic, imagination, left field vision, and left side of motor skills. I just think that's profound. I know mm-hmm. it's simple to understand and you're like, okay, left to left goes to right, right goes to left. But like really if you think about like someone constructing and putting it together, whether it's like putting a car together, putting a computer piece together, it just fascinates me when I picture our bodies being put together. Mm-hmm. And then because we're here tr- trying to understand like why our bodies are the way that we are. So it just kind of blows my mind. Mm-hmm. So the other thing um, I have we've talked about in a previous episode is hemi-sync meditations yeah um and i know that you use binaural beats in it but they're not all binaural beats um but i just thought it was something interesting to tie into the finding balance in the hemispheres of your brain because we're going to talk about a different way to balance um your heart and your brain but as far as like just focusing on the masculine and feminine um, parts of your brain. The reason I chose HemiSync is because um, through a lot of my personal healing modalities and research that I was going through and finding is I was operating in an over masculine form. And it was mainly because like I like the feminine aspect of me has never really felt safe. Um I don't really know like how else to pull that apart besides the fact that I've always just been like a little over masculine and through a lot of the scientific research and like the grounded research that I was trying to find to heal myself more than an ayahuasca trip in Costa Rica, which I can't wait to do. Um, I, well, I was introduced to the gateway tapes from you and then I found HemiSync through that. And I started studying HemiSync before I actually started doing the meditations to see if like we were both on the same page. And I loved the idea that um, since I do exercise masculine energy more than my feminine, the left side of your brain um, receives all the information first. He's like the security at the door. And then it decides one, if it's going to let the information in or two, where it actually goes in your brain. So is it going to go to um, the feminine side of it? Like if I like a song, like music, like the guy's like, it's cool, man, it's music, let it in. You know, like that, that's like the the Mm -hmm. gateway to like the feminine side of it but if it's like a really big math problem (laughs) a bill that's due like all of these like super logical masculine protective provider stances um all of those things would come in and just through my brain functions alone I knew that I was imbalanced my body I knew as I imbalanced but my brain so I'm like where am I going to start I want to start at my heart but my brain won't shut up and this guy I honestly do feel like might be overprotecting me too much and I actually could be missing out on information mm-hmm. that I kind of need but I'm I'm in a fear-based frequency for some reason when I over right. myself right or like yeah, I mean, I guess you could say fight or flight, but when you get into fight or flight, your body doesn't regenerate, it doesn't heal, it doesn't have time to mm-hmm. do anything. So I don't want to say that I was in a fight or flight all the time, but I could kick into it very, very easily. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it through my personalities. So 
I got into hemi-sync and I still do it randomly, but not as often. And I have... I have found success in mine. I always told you I don't ever want to sell anything on the show as like a matter of fact. Like yeah. this is it. This is the modality you need. Yeah. But this is one one that I have done that I do recommend to people. Um, but I also recommend that you do your own research before you do these meditations. Mm -hmm. Maybe binaural beats do work better for you, like just specifically. Binaural beats, um, just to remind anybody, it involves delivering sound waves of slightly different frequencies through your headphones into each to produce a brainwave entrainment that follows the difference in the hertz between each frequency. I just read that off my laptop I didn't want you to think like I have that definition in my head because I don't <laughs> um but that was a really fun way for at least me personally to connect parts of my brain and learn a little bit more and kind of like thank that masculine for coming in and protecting me but also like giving my feminine a voice to rise a little more and find balance um like we said earlier I don't believe in the whole like the feminine coming in and oppressing the masculine for the next hundreds of thousands of years because like we're really upset mm -hmm. um I believe in the balance and the union mm -hmm. and all of that beautiful beautiful stuff because when the pendulum swings either way too much it doesn't feel good it doesn't yeah it doesn't and I mean so I practice yoga right but even on my hands I have the sun tattooed on my left pointer finger and I have the moon tattooed on my right and I was with my friend one day and we were talking about like sides of the body and they're like did you know your tattoos are wrong and I was like what are you talking about and they're like well you put the feminine on the right side and I was like, yeah, because it's the right side of my brain. And they're like, but it, like, they were trying to explain to me, like, through whatever philosophy they, you know, honor, um, why my tattoos are wrong. And I said, oh, well, I matched them to the hemispheres of my brain. And then when I do breath work, I actually practice the contralateral relationship between them. And they're like, oh, fuck it. You already know what you're talking about. Okay, bye. <laughs> you know, and we just, like, got over the conversation. But there, ha there have been times where I've looked at and I've been like, Okay, what side of the body is what? Because I tattooed, okay, sun, left, moon, right. Oh, okay, and then I swivel them around like a little DNA symbol in my head. I'm like, <laughs> got it. Um, but I bring, I bring that up um, because feminine is lunar energy, which we've talked a little bit, like sprinkled in a little bit more, um, but that is like one of the most powerful creative energies that there are. So going back to like the masculine part of my brain like rejecting information because I'm in a fear-based energy frequency is something that I realized and a hemi-sync did help me with that. To circle back to yin and yang though we talked earlier about how I I am overly fascinated with the origin of divine feminine feminine and divine masculine even though it is in both of us from a soul origin standpoint um, and I know there are so many, so many, so many different ways that I could take this. Um, but I have dialed it down to five different balances and imbalances or just proved proofs in the two in existence is probably what I could say. Um, we've went in depthly about yin and yang. So I'm going to go ahead and get away from that and Tai Chi and everything else. And um, I want to talk about... Let's see, Carl Jung had a school of psychology and he really focused on the anima and animus in all of us. Um, so let me pull that up really quick so I can see what I'm talking about. 
Okay, so it says the anima and animus are described in Carl Jung's school of analytical psychology as part of his theory of the collective unconscious. So he described the animus as the unconscious masculine side of a woman and the anima as the unconscious feminine side of a man, each transcending the personal psyche. So his theory states that the anima and animus are the two primary um, archetypes of the unconscious mind as opposed to um, the inferior function or the shadow archetype. archetype. Um, basically, he believed that in order for you to find balance in the psychology of your own brain would be for the sleeping masculine to recognize the feminine in himself and integrate her into his life. And the woman to do the same thing with recognizing not only she is female, but she too has a masculine that is like the shadowy figure um, that will eventually like come in and integrate into her life. And when in my body, I integrate my masculine into my body, into my mind, body and spirit, so to speak, um, that is where I start to attain my union in myself. And if you're into higher dimensional, higher connections, it's believed that um, you are then like connected up to your higher power, higher being. I don't want to label it like Christ consciousness, any of that, but you are connected to the all because you have figured out a way to unify the divine masculine and the divine feminine within. That's one of my favorites. I learned that in like 2011 and went down a cute little rabbit hole. I still have the folder at my home about it and I love looking back into it because when I read it, I was so enthralled with the feminine masculine pretense in it. Um, but I seriously did not have a language built with this stuff at mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. You know what it's like to like read something and go, God, I know that I will be able to understand this better down the road. And I think that's why I encourage people to keep all of your stuff because there's so many stuff you're going to find along the way mm -hmm. that you're like, this does make sense to me, but it's going to make sense to me better in the future. And that's kind of where I'm at now is I found anima and animus. I found yin and yang, the divine feminine, the divine masculine. Um, we're going to hit on twin flames a little bit just in case anybody is like, what's up with that weird phenomenon? Um, and then the story of Kali and Shiva, at least one of them that I know, because um, they are also attributed in their culture as the yin and yang of creation mm. so um let's see we'll go ahead and skip past anima and animus please do your own research if the carl young thing is something that uh speaks to you uh i could sit here all day and read his stuff but i'm not going to so um i am gonna go to something called twin flames i know you know what twin flames are do you remember when you first heard of what twin flames were like no. how long ago it was just like coming a past it like when you're like reading everything else that we're reading and researching no i mean i mean i know it was many many years ago but i don't remember like the first time hearing it that's okay i was just curious yeah. so it says the term twin flame was coined by an author and teacher named barbara markiniak marciniak hmm. i've heard that name before i know like i the barbara yeah. sounds familiar but the even the marciniak I'm just not used to saying it, but I know that she specifically coined the term twin flame um, and quote me if I'm wrong, but I think that she made twin flame based on the theology 
that when we all split off from the creator, right, we're like balls of flame shooting down. Um, each soul individually was shooting down, but like one ball of light, which would be considered the violet flame, split into two. And it technically split into the masculine part of the original soul and the feminine part of the original soul. Um, so that's where like the twin flame comes from is because from creation, from the first time you were even put into this place, um, the other side of you like split off from you, like from well, the beginning, you guys but have been aren't split. Twin flames like really rare though. So yeah, that's why I said some just split off into like full souls. Mm -hmm. And then there were others that literally split. So okay. if you think of like uh, splitting an atom, Right. And like if the left side is the guy and the right side is the girl and then mm -hmm. you have mitosis coming across. Right. Mm -hmm. That's instead of staying together is one full whole yin and yang and mm -hmm. then incarnating into a human body. What they thought would be super trippy is to um, take the masculine over here and take the feminine over here and incarnate those two parts of the body into whatever gender, whatever lifetime, whatever dimension, timeline, anything. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't want to be like me as an example. Like I like to say divine feminine because I'm working on integrating my divine feminine into my masculine, into my own personal union. Right. I'm all about finding balance within myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but just because I identify as the divine feminine doesn't necessarily mean that if I believe that origin story, that I wasn't the masculine part of the soul that pulled away. Right. I 100% believe that I'm the girl soul that pulled away, but <laughs> that's probably because I incarnated as a girl this time around. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that I haven't been a man. I haven't been a bug. I haven't been this. I haven't been right. this to learn all the stages. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why like, I like tiptoeing on this because yeah. I'm really big on observe, don't attach, especially when it comes to twin flame stuff. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the stuff that I see now, it's so over romanticized. And mm -hmm. instead of being like, oh, they're my soulmate, I'll hear people be like, they're like my twin buddies. They're my, my twin, twin flame. flame. Yeah. They're like me and my twin flame just broke up. I'm like, then they're not a twin flame. <laughs> like you don't break up with your twin flame. You, you have a sweet little bubble phase. You learn a bunch of stuff <laughs> and then you like leave each other. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's why like I get so like weirded out trying to talk about it. I want to have like people come on and tell me their stories of their like, I still like calling it twin flame phenomena. Mm -hmm. um, because it is so different and it is so translated to everybody. So now it's overly romanticized and it has everything to do with, Hey, if you do these certain steps, then you get to be with this person that was like made from you for, from the beginning of time. Like there's no free will involved. Mm -hmm. You, you, you just have to be with this person. Well, and, and I don't like that at all. Well, isn't it? I've heard too, that like with twin flames, that it's a very hard connection to be in. Yeah. I mean, when. Like if we were writing a soul contract right now mm -hmm. and we were getting ready to come down to earth and from what I know about twin flames and they were like, hey, um, which I mean, you would technically already be a twin flame if you were doing your soul contract. It's just right. whether you would incarnate with them or not. Right. Because you like from the beginning of time, 
like that that's your that's soul your, origin right. mm-hmm. if i die and i come back as bill and i want to live in nebraska you still have the same i twin still flame. have the same twin flame mm-hmm. and i think that that's not what people understand when they try to put twin flame and soulmate together because mm-hmm. like a soulmate is like soul family they're people mm-hmm. literally like from your same constellation like my so to soulmate speak could be my child right now yeah right yeah my child your dog your my mom best friend, you're my, this and yeah. it can be the person that you choose to spend the rest of your life with mm-hmm. but now we're gonna break something down more than i didn't mean to but we're gonna go ahead <laughs> soulmates come into your life to teach you like really really good lessons they can mm-hmm. still be like hard lessons but yeah. like they're a really good friend and they're in your corner mm-hmm. the conditional love the obligation the harder lessons they're going to be taught to you by something called karmic partners Mm -hmm. and these are people that you have spent a lot of time with in past lives that's why like that connection is so like strong i mean like very very passionate right um but you also like have no idea how to get the hell out and you know you need to get away from them Mm -hmm. it's like knowing you're in hell and need to get out and you're like oh my god like i know this isn't working i know i'm not my best self what what is going on here and you'll realize that you kind of have like a victim mindset at the time because it's so easy to be the victim in a karmic relationship i was a victim in a karmic relationship i was also really freaking young and had no idea what was going on with me and all i wanted to do was be loved Mm -hmm. so i accepted the love that was given to me versus setting boundaries and realizing that no, I deserve this, not this. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so I bring karmics up because there's a lot of people, especially in the community that I've talked to, where they're like, oh, I know he's my twin fam. I know it is. But all like these five crazy things have happened in our relationship. And in my opinion, which is just my opinion, I'm like, that is a karmic relationship. You are going to go through the hardest things. You're going to establish trauma bonds that make you feel obligated to stay with them. And it's just, it's so sad. Like, I understand now, like, why the twin flame is so big now and why people want to believe in it is because twin flames are technically supposed to um, rewrite the story of what love should technically be on earth. Mm. So love right now, you have transactional love, you have obligatory love. You, I mean, marriage is the perfect example of why marriage should not exist because we're (laughs) always, I mean, you get married so you can make sure that when you're like if my husband dies i'm taken care of i get all of his shit (laughs) right yeah i mean yeah it was a beautiful day don't get me wrong don't call in and be like just because your marriage sucks doesn't mean mine does you know whatever what i'm trying to say is marriage is still at the end of the day is very transactional it's not unconditional love like it's preached out on your wedding day there's a lot of freaking obligations in it there's a lot of conditions in my marriage specifically that I'm like, oh, some days I wonder if I can do it the next 65, 70 years of my life. My husband says the same thing on stuff that we do together. We're supremely honest with each other. He is not my karmic. I dated my karmic when I was younger and I'm over that. Like, bye, see ya, never again. I learned the lessons, I got it, thank you so much. My husband, I 100% believe is a soulmate of mine. Just like I believe my daughter is a soulmate of mine. He's taught me a lot of really, really nice lessons and he didn't beat me, (laughs) right? you know, (laughs) I don't have any trauma bonds with my current husband. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like I also 
live the life of intentionally being aware of the things that are happening for me, mm-hmm. whether it feels good and whether it feels bad. So yeah, there's times where I'm like, oh my God, I cannot do this for 65 fucking years. Like, no. And then there's other days where I'm like, mm, you're a petty bitch. Yeah, mm-hmm. she can. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> you're like, you need to stop. It's It'll fine. be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it goes back to like, what is this doing? F- how is this helping me in my evolution right. and not from like a selfish standpoint? Right. No, but still. So I went down the rabbit hole about the karmics and the soulmates. So again, you would understand the main energy, the mm-hmm. main mission of twin flames from my research that I think that gets supremely misconstrued by the romantic romanticization sure I made a word um, of it is for them to come down and them to actually show like what true unconditional love looks like it's it's uh, love without expectations it's love without explanations it's about understanding the person that you're with it's honoring the person that you're with and um, not letting these 3d systems um, push you away from something that you are like you came here to do. So I think the reason it gets so romanticized is because in physical union in the 3D earthly dimension um, with a male and a female that identify as each other's other parts of their soul. So what I've seen is these people come together and they tell their story how, you know, trials and tribulations of can't get you out of my head, always thinking about you. I mess this up. You mess this up. Um, there wants to be a tit for tat in the relationship because that's all we know is, well, you did this to me. I blocked my heart from you. Da, 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 da. These people have come together, just came across whatever karma they had between them, whatever barriers they came to break down. They come together and in their physical state, they claim to be in physical 3D union with their twin flame, which is a part of the overall mission of bringing heaven to earth. And heaven to earth is compassion and unconditional love through all things and all beings of life. So that is supposedly what twin flames are doing here. Not everybody is a twin flame. From what I have researched, everybody does have multiple soulmates. And you bet, yes, you got plenty of comics to choose from. <laughs> right? Pick your ride. Pick your ride. It's like those old books where you could like pick your journey through the book. Yes. You know? yeah, yeah. They make movies like that, which is really cool. So um, through my research, there have been many, many different like origins of whether it's talked about in the Bible, whether it's talked about in all these places. And I'm not married to any of this research. I'm just simply here to talk about them. This is one of my favorite things to research, but it's because I started, I like I started to disprove the whole phenomenon in the beginning, like 12 years ago. And here I am. It's one of my favorite subjects now. And it spans between <laughs> time and time again. Um, so it says, essentially these relationships are spiritual connections, but they also have a physical level That is, you can feel the connection to your twin even if you have not met them physically. Uh, It's a very deep connection that goes beyond ordinary love, which is conditional love. Um, Your twin flame, or karma buddy is what some call it, Um, you have had past lives together and they're technically your soulmate, but because they're literally the other half of your soul. Um, It says there's more than one written origin of twin flame journeys 
Um, so the one that I found that was interesting that shook me to my core besides when scientists on Gaia brought it up, because when scientists bring up twin flames, <laughs> like that's like, there's a, something here. I was like, there's something <laughs> here. You know, and I've I've like proved it right a lot of times, but it, you're just like there. It just doesn't make sense. There's no way. Mm-hmm. It's just there's nothing that beautiful and profound. It's like when twins are separated at birth and they grow up exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Well, kind of. Yeah, eh. yeah. Because now I have a whole bunch of other like soul contract research in my head, and I don't want to go down that way. But <laughs> you have a point. Yes, they do experience a experience a lot of like similar things. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, like I have a phone conversation reference in my mind where I had a pen pal when I was a kid and I would call him and I would be like, boys are stupid. Boys do this. Boys do this. This boy does this. And then he would be like, oh, well, boys do this because, you know, we do this, 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 this. And then he would tell me about like whatever girl, whatever story, whatever scenario. And even at whatever young age we were, we would just be each other's little therapists Mm -hmm. and I would be like oh well she's doing that because of this and he's like no (laughs) no way you know or however the conversation went but I always remember like having this like boy in my back pocket that Mm -hmm. would like speak boy for me yeah (laughs) and that was your boy translator yeah he's my boy translator (laughs) um So anyways, it says the origin of twin flames is mentioned in the book of the dead. So the concept of twin flames Hmm. is to be, to, is believed to have originated from a book called the book of the dead. It's a spiritual book written some 2,500 years ago. It's considered to be a religious book and is still used by spiritualists and religious people to practice their religion. It contains information on how you can connect with your twin flame. So say you don't necessarily meet them in the physical world, but you want to know if you're a twin flame or there's this constant energy pull, like, like something's missing Mm -hmm. and you've already went through like the physical realm. You've already bought a bunch of stuff, gotten married, got the the crystals, you have all the crystals, (laughs) you have everything and you're still like, something's missing. Something's missing. I think that that's what this book goes into. Um, Isn't that Egyptian? Does it say? Uh, the Book of the Dead, I believe, is, and mm-hmm. the only reason I know is because it's in my, like, Amazon cart right now. Oh, is it? Yeah, because the same scientist that brought up the Book of the Dead, Book of the Dead in the guy episode that I can't quote right now, mm-hmm. they brought up um, Book of the Dead and Twin Flame phenomenon within, like, a 15-minute span of each other, and mm-hmm. I was like, what is going on right now? Why are you talking about these together? <laughs> this is making me so happy. Um, some of these don't make me happy, though, um, because it basically talks about how, and it's not it's not just in the Book of the Dead, it's in Vedic texts, the Upanishads, there's a couple other things that I'll bring up here that I'm, like, annoyed with when I think, if this is the truth about twin flames and I might be a twin flame, then I would be super pissed <laughs> if this is what's supposed to happen. Um, well, what's supposed to happen? Tell well, me. You okay. can tease. No. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> if this is real, this is bullshit, right? <laughs> You're like, I take it all back. Yeah. So it says, according to this text, it is believed that twin flames are souls who meet each other and fall in love with each other when they are still alive. The soul dies, but is incarnated as a child after often so many lifetimes, which that really goes into like learning, like evolving your soul. Like Mm -hmm. everybody comes to earth. They start as a child soul, go all the way up to an old soul, Mm -hmm. right? You can do it as many times as you want. Baby soul, old soul. So it says, if the soul has not found its twin flame and does not connect with it before dying, the soul will have to be reborn again and again. 
This means that even if you have met your twin flame before and you may not remember it, right? I like when I read that, I was like, that's absolute bullshit. I don't believe that at all. I'm like that that goes against every free will. You're a sovereign being. You have every right over your because it's saying you're forced to come back if you don't connect. Yeah. Yeah. And like, okay, so one person's like, I know you're my twin flame. I'm going to do my thing. You're going to do your thing. And if we just happen to meet up, yeah, you know, like I'm releasing expectations. I'm laying you on the altar and then I die. Yeah. And you're, you were like, no, you're not my twin flame. I have to come back. Yeah. When I got the test right. Yeah. That's what that, that's what I got from it. I was like, I refuse to believe what the book of the dead says. Well, And then there's like the other side of that where they're like, oh, this is my twin flame and they're not, well, I'm going to have to start stalking them and like, I'm going to have to murder their partner because they're my twin flame. Like you've got like the psycho stalkers. That are I gonna- was like, that is a very unhealthy person. No, no. That's what I'm saying though. But like, if I'm going to have to reincarnate because you won't be my twin flame and I, and I believe you're supposed to be. Yeah. Like then you've got those like crazy people that are created from that too. I mean, I'm not that crazy person, which is why my eyes got super big when you brought like murdering people no, into I'm a twin flame conversation. What I'm saying is No, I'm just I'm like, <laughs> we're just we're about to go into a Vedic text and now I feel like I need to sage myself. Um which again, that's why the romantic you have extremes. But right? the romanticized that's that is the harm in the romanticized Absolutely. version of twin flames Absolutely. to actually think that I have to walk the rest of my life. And then like, I'm supposed to be with you when you both still have your free will. Yeah. It, it doesn't like physical union in 3d. Um, I, I don't necessarily believe is like nothing the that freaking feels forced key. feels like it's right. Like, yeah, if you, yeah. if you incarnated together and you're supposed to be together at the end of whatever you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's you, but I don't think that's everybody's contract. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can come together after the trials and tribulations of you both incarnating on the physical world together in earth, in the same continent, like, where you actually met each other. I do believe that that means something and that stands for something. Um, where was I going to go with that? Uh, there are people that come here to come into union, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily believe that everybody. And I don't believe everybody because Dolores Cannon also talks about the three waves of volunteers. Right. And in the three waves of volunteers, she also breaks down the three waves and types of twin flames. Mm-hmm. So you can have same sex twin flames mm-hmm. that are like specific, like they're platonic. They're like just mm-hmm. friends. Or you can have same sex that are not just friends. Mm-hmm. You can have a guy and a girl that are not just friends. Mm-hmm. And you can have a guy and a girl that are just friends mm-hmm. and they they're like trigger friends like they come in in and out and they're like they stay in each other's lives for a little bit they trigger each other Tr- like trigger evolution yeah they trigger each other's evolution mm-hmm. they're gonna blame the other person for it like mm-hmm. oh how dare you mm-hmm. make me see this shadow part of myself right you know now we're getting into anima and animus Mm -hmm. but um they trigger each other and then they go away to heal Mm -hmm. so it's it's called a runner chaser phase and a separation Mm -hmm. which is a separation is where a lot of people struggle with because it makes them face their fears not just um out of their relationship with the other person but it makes them face their own internal fears right um which 
you'll be fine when you get to the other side, but it does suck going through. Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants to deal with like weird abandonment issues they didn't know they had. But when you realize they're connected to your inner child, we all have abandonment issues somewhere down the line. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then in the Vedic text, um, yeah, it's kind of the same one. <laughs> and that's why I don't like it. I was like, two different legends. This is bullcrap. <laughs> um, but it says... If, I reject your philosophy. Yes, I reject your philosophy. I am not coming back. <laughs> um, but if they do not find each other and unite before dying, the soul will be doomed and to be reborn again and again. So the reason... Okay, this makes you feel better. Thank you. So <laughs> the reason they keep putting these people in the reincarnation cycle because all it's basically saying is you're going to yeah. come back and pay your karma and not do yeah. any karma reincarnation so it is believed that in the beginning of creation um god whatever you want to call it was like it's i'm freaking bored out here by myself mm -hmm. let's like go make some shit let's go like do some stuff yeah so then like all of us right who we are god mm -hmm. so to speak we're like okay we'll go like do a bunch of stuff so then like in the perfect unconditional like 12th dimensional unity mm -hmm. right the only thing that technically separates that energy is karma mm -hmm. is that that force that works the two away from each other okay so you picture like a ball of light splitting in the middle and they mm -hmm. can still like float together it's like hey buddy look at this i have my own body hey, mm -hmm. i'm you you are me mm -hmm. and then what eventually happens is through experience and curiosity and you know delving into the good and evils of the world and what is good and what is bad this karma has been created between these two energies which we would call these two people that have incarnated on earth mm -hmm. whether it be the karma from the very beginning of existence um the karma that you made from previous incarnations and then the karma from this life that you're living now so when i read this it reminds me of not only the individual karma that we pay back, but also the collective karma that we're all a part of and intertwined with. Um, so maybe I'm not as scared to be reborn again and again and again, since I feel like I understand why those two energies are consistently pulled away from each other. Mm -hmm. I don't really like, I do think it has a lot to do with the egotistical side of mm -hmm. the energies being like, no, I don't need you. No, it's not you. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. Like I have a whole world to explore. I have goals to do. I've, mm -hmm. you know, I have all this stuff to do. Um, but at the end of the day, like everything is karma that either brings you closer or separates mm -hmm. each other. So maybe I'm not as scared scared about that i don't know um but it i'll find says, out when i die i guess yeah i guess i'll find out when i die and then i'm reborn and i find the book i published in a thrift store because that is the goal <laughs> um and it says that they're mentioned in the book like in the bible um really yeah it does but when i talk about it okay so there there's a thought that somebody put out there that other people picked up this thought and was like, this thought is correct. Okay. And I don't believe it based on other research that I had. Okay. So well, let's just talk about it because okay. we're already here. It is said that Jesus and his mother were twin flames. Okay. And I don't think that's accurate. I believe that. But why couldn't they be? Well, because Archangel Raphael Mm -hmm. is technically her twin flame and they both reside from the Essenes. Oh, okay. I do remember you telling me that. 
right? Right. But it's been, and even here it talks about how it's like Jesus was the perfect twin flame and so was Mary. Not Mary, his mother. Mary, but wasn't his, his like person, like his. That's what we're getting to. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So Mary, his partner, not Not Mary, his mother. Virgin Mary, his mother was not his twin flame, Mm -hmm. but Mary, what's Magdalene, right? I think it was Magdalene, yeah. Right? She's the one that stood next to him. Yeah. I don't know why I act like that because they're my two favorites. Um, it was said that they they learned together. They mm-hmm. balanced in themselves together. Mm-hmm. They unified the divine masculine and divine feminine within. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, there's a bunch of other rhetoric out there that's like, he could only do it because he's the son of God. And if you do this, then, mm-hmm. you know, you go to heaven forever. Um, but a lot of the other research that I wrote was all of the ancient texts that they were able to access is information that we can access today. Mm-hmm. We just obviously have a lot more outside influence to pull, distract us and, and get us away from it. Mm-hmm. But all the things that he talked about, you know, I'm not really interested in turning water into wine, but I heard he did that. Right. Right. Um, many people thought he was a twin flame mm-hmm. and, that he represented the male part of the twin flames and then Mary represented the female part of it. Mm -hmm. And after I looked back and found out that the whole story of Mary about like being a whore and being possessed by nine demons and all of that Mm -hmm. isn't actually a true story. Mm -hmm. It is a sermon that was written by a guy on a Sunday around a political campaign that was topping off and he needed a story to really captivate the attention of the audience and also propel him higher into a political game, mm-hmm. right? What a freaking surprise that religion is used for politics. Didn't know that. Mm. Um, but when I found out that not just that story, but that is a foundational story that makes women look like fucking whores from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I was really upset Mm-hmm. And I decided to reject any further philosophy that I had learned as a child. And I did not take any of it as the truth anymore. I just decided it was a research paper that it was up to me to go through and figure out what needed to be thrown aside, what was actually the truth, what actually fits in with the evolution and what fits in with the imprisonment of the collective. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that really blew my freaking mind when I wasn't surprised that Mary was demonized Mm -hmm. and I wasn't surprised um, the way that she was portrayed afterwards. So I started doing my meditations and I was like, hey, guys, I'm pretty sure that you guys are really good representations of twin flames based on what I've seen of your work together. Scientifically, it only makes sense to me the way that you guys evolved in your inner beings and then you were out helping people, you guys showed a very, very good example of a woman and a man physically working together properly on earth for the greater good of humanity and just being able to like represent a really good, healthy relationship between a man and a woman. I'm not saying they were together, but if they were twin flames, I think it'd be really, really hard to just play friends. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I still have a little glass thing of like the last supper Mm -hmm. and Mary's right next to him Mm -hmm. and everybody wanted to portray her like, Oh, he took pity on her and let her stand next to next to him because she's a whore. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
in none of Jesus's teachings did he say to take pity on people and treat them special because you feel bad for that they're a whore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he didn't say any of that. So a lot of it like didn't add up for me. So one of my favorites besides Jesus and Mary Magdalene is the Kali Shiva story, Mm -hmm. which we've gotten into um, a little bit. Oh, yeah. It also says um, Twin Flames are also brought up in the Book of Mormon and then Greek mythology, which I think it's Plato's Symposium or Plato's Synopsis. DDD talks about basically how all the humans were whole. Um, They had a bunch. They were connected like through the third eye and superpowers and stuff. And then Zeus struck them down in half. Um, male went one way, female went one way. So they'd be so distracted with finding the other part of their soul for the rest of their existence that they wouldn't try to overthrow the gods again. Mm. So that was one of the first like mythology. Like, I wonder if they're talking about twin flames in this Mm -hmm. when I was still like trying to disprove it, which Mm -hmm. this would be roughly 2012, 2013 when I came across that. Um, so there's always been like little breadcrumbs of, Ooh, is that like, is that happening? Is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've discussed the Upanishads mm-hmm. um, and we've talked again, Kali and Shiva. So it says in the Upanishads when they're talking about their relationship. Um, and I think about this like energy, but it says that is far. And at the same time, that is near that moves and that moves not. That is within and that is without. It moves and it moves not. So when Kali is performing her role, reality is moving. When Shiva is performing, reality is silent. When they perform together, that moves and that moves not. With our human consciousness, when we try to see the truth, it is far, very far. But with our divine consciousness, when we try to see the truth... It is all near. It is right in front of our nose. That is within and that is without. These conflicting terms cease when our inner consciousness is fully awakened. If something is within, then that very thing also has to be without. If there is a seed, then there will be a tree. If there is a tree, then there is a seed. If the truth is already there within, then the truth has to be manifested sooner or later outside. So it says Mother Kali is the dynamic aspect of the transcendental truth and Lord Shiva is the silent aspect of the highest transcendental truth. They fulfill the highest supreme together like the obverse and reverse of the same coin. Shiva is silent and Kali is active and dynamic. If we see with our ordinary human eyes, then we say that they are separate. But with our inner eye, if we see them, we see that they are together. I bring that up so I can go ahead and just bring up non-locality and quantum entanglement. So what it's saying there is you see these two physical beings and they act like they're not working together or they can't work together or, you know, they're just doing their own thing over there. But in our human minds, that's how everything looks like you and I are a part of the all, but we, we get to have our own physical experience. Right. Mm -hmm. So especially with these energies, um, it's really talking about that this physical illusion 
is also something that you have to surpass on your own journey when you realize that not only like you are connected to the all but everyone is connected to the all whether that woman at the grocery store really annoyed you or not you're you're actually a part of her you're all a part of the same core so quantum entanglement is a physical phenomenon that occurs when a group of particles are generated, interact, or share spatial proximity in a way such that the quantum state of each particle of the group cannot be described independently of the state of others, including when the particles are separated by a large distance. The topic of quantum entanglement is at the heart of the disparity between classical and quantum physics. Entanglement is a primary feature of quantum mechanics lacking in classical mechanics. Measurements of physical properties such as position, momentum, spin, and polarization performed on entangled particles can, in some cases, be found to be perfectly correlated. Before I break that down, I'm going to hop on over to non-locality, and then I'm going to kind of break two of these down together because they all feed in. It says... Quantum mechanics, quantum non-locality, refers to the apparent instantaneous propagation of correlations between entangled systems, irrespective of their spatial separation. Again, just reading definitions. I definitely don't have any of this memorized, but when I came across quantum entanglement and um, minimal research on non-locality, just from the mechanics standpoint... um, a scientist on Gaia brought this up to me first, and then um, Greg Braden from Gaia also. Love Greg Braden. Mm. Yeah. Love him so much. He just also referenced it um, in one of his many, many speeches. I wish that I could say which one it was from. Um, but it gave me a more grounded approach to the energy around us, the energy within us, and, you know, what what is actually your responsibility as far as, you know, you work on what you can control, you release everything you can't. Um, And when it comes to this yin and yang, this divine feminine, this balance, this neutrality, this polarity, um, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Like if you had another part of your soul running around the earth, like you can't sit here and be like, I'm living half alive because I know <laughs> that there's somewhere else there's out in the flame. world. Yeah. Yes, there's a flame out in the world and I will just never be happy without. Um, right. But I can't tell you how many people I've actually met that have confided in me um, that they're like, I don't know how I'm supposed to live my life without this person that I mm-hmm. know that I'm supposed to be with. Right. And my heart goes out to you for that. Right. Because I do not have that answer. Right. Um, I just know that through continuous research, I'm able to ground this phenomenon into not only like believing the twin flame and the yin and yang and the Kali and the Shiva and the anima and animus, but really just proving that we all truly are interconnected and it is up to us to help balance ourselves because we are a part of a collective conscious whole. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like us on earth, like we don't even have to get into dimensions here. But when I think about other worldly and unworldly things coming, Mm -hmm. like if we were all created from the same thing, we're all connected to the same universal consciousness and universal karma. Right. So, you know, we're all, we, are we all really just trying to get home or really are there are 
are there beings out there that are like, we know the answers. We don't want to go back. We want to create our own version mm-hmm. of utopia, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, we are so thick and karmically filled. Um, and the fastest way to happy is to let go. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. But um, what was I going to say? My eyes twitching. I'm getting so excited to talk about <laughs> Greg Braden. So earlier we talked about um, how holding the frequency of neutrality. Mm-hmm. So I said holding the frequency the only way possible is by compassion. Mm-hmm. So one, you have to go through like clearing all the stuff out of you, learning the lessons, clearing karma, yada, yada, yada. But finally you have reached this state of ultimate continuous compassion, which to me is Christ consciousness. And you're at that frequency the whole time. Um, For anybody else that like really craves to be in that union with themselves and operating from unconditional love at all times, like really turning the cheek and knowing how to do it properly. That space of neutrality. That really big space of neutrality. Um, But I guess like what I'm trying to say is like if I were just beginning and I came across all of these fun big words and I don't really understand how many things interconnected yet, but I do understand meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg Braden has a wonderful YouTube channel, uh, amazing programs on Gaia. Um, he has a couple videos that I am going to point out because we talk about heart, brain, um, and earth harmonizing frequencies and meditations. Um, and to me personally, the best example of yin and yang in our bodies and every one of our bodies is our heart and our brain. Our brain is going to be our masculine and our heart is going to be our feminine. And we are the only species in existence that can actually disconnect from our heart and still live. So the can't feel my heartbeat, um, I'm living half alive, which really translates into living in lower frequencies and not accessing them. But speaking from an emotional code standpoint, um, you can, you can live without your heart. It's really sad to say. That's why I'm like, (laughs) we can do that, you know, constantly. Um, so here he talks about how 0.1 Hertz is actually the frequency of love. And it's these exercises, um, that were actually studied by, where is it? The Institute of Heart Math, they're empowering heart-based living. They have um, exercises, meditations, and a lot of really great training to where you can get your heart brain back into a synchronization. Um, And I'm going to explain why in the yin and yang format, why that's all important. Um, But he says the three keys to heart brain harmony are one, shift your focus, two, shift your breathing, and three, shift your feeling. So by practicing these techniques to relieve daily stress, these three keys to your heart and your brain will then bring you into a harmonized state within yourself. I think the biggest misconception about people using meditation, accessing these frequencies, is when they actually do attain it and see it, then um, they're like, okay, well, how do I stay here and where's my winning lottery ticket, <laughs> right? Like they, they still want all of these physical, tangible, earthly things and they think that these um, energetic, ethereal things coming in like a fairy godmother, so to speak, like, oh, just cleared me all out. Rome was built in a day and- 
you know, it's kind of like exercise. Like, yeah, if you want the six pack, you're going to have to keep exercising. If you want to stay clear, stay away from all these things, you're going to have to do these. So he has the video that I'm talking about. It says two powerful methods to awaken heart and brain connection. And I went ahead and just loaded up a little bit of Greg Braden for all of you to have a little snippet. And he don't, um, if you're driving, listen to this part. Um, but he's just going to walk you through um, a little bit of why it's really important to connect the heart and the brain. And then uh, I will wrap back up with a little bit of Brian Scott, too. Is to simply shift your awareness from your mind into your heart. And what I've found is in the Western traditions for many people, that's easier said than done. I'll ask people, are you in your heart? And they'll say, yep, I'm in my heart. But what they are really doing is they're still in their brain thinking about what it would be like if they're in their heart. This is where the indigenous traditions come in. Our ancestors told us, and when I spend time with my indigenous friends, I say, how do you guys do this? And they say, it helps if you can gently touch your heart center physically in a way that's comfortable for you. In the Mayan traditions, you see a, an open palm right on the heart. In many of the Middle Eastern traditions, you see the same thing. Uh, in the Buddhist traditions, you see a prayer mudra that physically touches the sternum. The key is, any of those things creates a gentle touch, a physical sensation right over the heart center, and your awareness will always go to the place where you feel the sensation. That's the key. So if you can create a touch over your heart, your awareness will go there, first step. Second step, very simple. Slow your breathing a little bit slower than typical, maybe five seconds inhale, five seconds exhale, and here's why that's powerful because the only time you would ever slow your breathing and breathe in that way is when you feel safe. When you feel that you're in a place that's safe and you're not threatened and you're not vigilant of your surroundings. So you're telling your body you're in a place that's safe. Slow your breathing. Third step, and this is the key, is to begin to feel the feeling that creates 0.1 hertz. Feel the feeling that sets up the coherence between your heart and your brain. How do we do that? I gave you the word. Okay, so the reason I played that specific part of the video too um, is because they talk about physically touching your heart space. Um, and when I first started doing that, not only in yoga, but any meditation practices, um, I don't know why I felt silly touching my own body, but like let alone my heart space. So when they would be like, bring awareness into your heart, that is the moment I realized, I don't think I knew how to bring awareness into my heart. I knew how to um, protect myself. I knew how to really just fight or flight a lot of moments in my life, whether through sarcasm or anything like that. But when I actually had to like sit down and put my hand over my heart and make that connection, um, I cried because it was the first time that I had done it. It was the realization of um, like actually feeling myself for the first time and also like, wow, I haven't been doing this at all ever. I've never done this in my life. And I felt like I was like meeting myself for the first time. Mm -hmm. And the reason, you know, heart brain, not just yin and yang heart brain, but harmonizing your heart and your brain is going to get you to activate the gamma state. That's where a lot of monks, 
go to when they're meditating. That's where a lot of creativity, a lot of hyperactivity that's misdiagnosed and a lot of spectrum stuff, but they create like these profound, amazing art pieces or they, um, untangle math that has been on a chalkboard for like 50 years, you know, stuff like that. So I always like to bring in any research that highlights how the gamma state can actually help us in our creativity just by us accessing it. Um, along the grade Braden line, it's another post-it that I wrote about a year ago that I was really excited to bring back up because it's on, it's on the, um, video that I'll link below. Um, harmonizing heart and brain but it says he says in it and I'm going to paraphrase what he said because I was writing down really fast as he spoke um accept suffering without judgment and hold space for greater greater outcome attachment is the polarization not stuck in what is right and what is wrong so you're not coming from the right brain or the left brain but move into something beyond so transcend the judgment of yourself, of what's going on in the situation, and everything around you. This is where the gamma brainwave state comes in. Compassion is the key to the gamma brainwave state. It's an ancient technique for creating advanced states of consciousness, according to everything that he studied that I have not. And this, again, is a paraphrase from Greg Braden. Um, but it ties back into what you were saying earlier where I was like, oh, compassion is the key to staying in that frequency and that balance. Mm -hmm. And then over here from a scientific perspective, it, they are also saying compassion is the key to the gamma excess. Mm -hmm. Gamma excess is not only just connection to your creative states and your higher purpose. It's all it's your connection back to God. It's the connection that you've systematically been outsourcing through others opinions a religion you should follow a job you should have a retirement plan you should have you should live here you should do this like all all these things like they go away you're left with just you what are you gonna do mm -hmm. you're gonna do a little bit of breathing so he says you can breathe in for five seconds and release for eight seconds and you'll feel a shift in your body and you release for eight you inhale for five again and you do, you can do the five and eight. You can do the box breathing of four seconds. My favorite for heart and brain, like if I'm out and I need like a squeeze ball moment is six breaths in hold for like two to four, depending on how your breath is. And then exhale for six. Like I write that in patches and sell it on shirts. So people will like learn. Um, and in that, you're going to feel safe within your body and your mind, which is wonderful. Um, you're going to align your heart and your brain, and you're going to open up your heart space to where you can access that unconditional love and that compassion that I truly 100% believe all of us want to access. But I think it's really hard to open up and admit that um, we don't know how to love properly, and we don't know how to be compassionate. Um, I was just looking over at my notes and again, it's another post-it from Greg Braden. It says compassion is key. It's the connection with the divine, the heart and brain coherence plus the gamma brainwave state equals all systems go. 
which that is 100% a quote from him. Um, (laughs) Another one that I wanted to highlight that really helped me with my heart and brain is um, Brian Scott. He did an 11-minute heart-mind coherence meditation. It's 111 hertz and 770 hertz, but it's a guided meditation. Super quick. He's got a lot that you can go through, but that um, between that and then the one that Greg Braden did, I did both of those for 30 days, and I can... um, tell you it was probably the nicest and consistently nice and open and just really connected with people that I've ever had in my life and it's funny to like again like you know you access that and you're like how do I stay here Mm -hmm. and honestly it's a lot of work to stay there and sometimes like you got to come back down and deal with whatever you're dealing with but getting up in the morning and meditating to either me I love Greg Braden and I love Brian Scott. They really, really helped me. But it's about that practice. It's about creating that daily practice for yourself and that disciplined practice. And that's what helps keep you there. Absolutely. Which Mm -hmm. is still, I can, I am not ashamed to say anymore that um, I still struggle with my daily practice, Mm -hmm. but my life is also so up and down that even when I had a set schedule, I would still, I... Oh my goodness. You know, I, I had so many other things to do Mm -hmm. and now I actually have so many other things to do, but I'm like, I, we're never, we're never too busy to check in with shy. Mm -hmm. And even if it's 10 minutes, if it's 15 minutes, if you just go in your closet for like two minutes, which Mm -hmm. I do often, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I am so big on checking on myself now. And that's something that I haven't had, um, for a lot of years that it's still so new to me that I'm like really proud of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yes, you just checked on yourself. Good job. <laughs> like, I know you needed that. I really know that you needed that. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have anything that you would like to add or wrap up about before we share some music with our friends? You know, um, I don't think so. I think, I mean, I'm, I think it's been a really good episode. I really like um, where we've taken it today, just the balancing and talking about the fact that it's really important to honor both sides of ourselves and recognize that we have both feminine and masculine and um, just remind ourselves how important it is to stay neutral and okay, me, it's important to stay neutral. (laughs) You can make the choice for yourself. Um, but no, I, and my voice apparently is is going out. So (laughs) time to stop. That's so funny. (laughs) Now I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, when we do the infos, I really do just want to get like certain info out there. And then again, I read the teleprompter in my mind and that's why I'm the golden retriever that tree branches. Yeah. Um, but I had a lot of fun, um, tying all of these things together. Um, yin yang polarities, divine masculine, divine feminine. I mean, if you don't know now, you already know it's one of my favorite things, um, to research. Um, I've been research researching it for years and having it come together in a bridged spirit and science aspect mm-hmm. is one of the happiest things that I've come across mm-hmm. and how I continue to like the research gets added to over the years and helps me evolve in what I'm doing on my path of union. Mm-hmm. Um, it really just makes me happy. And I really love sharing all of these tips and tricks with people. Cause I know that I'm not the only one 
that has these thoughts or wonders about all of these things. I'm just tired of feeling ashamed for having thoughts that technically aren't me. You know, like they're <laughs> like they're floating through my head they're and in the I, collective. Yeah. I pick it up and I go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, some people are like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not my tribe. <laughs> um, so I appreciate you just letting me sit here and talk for a little over two hours about, honestly, one of my favorite subjects because it's very near and dear to my heart. I don't talk to people a lot about it. But, um, I mean, my main goal is to literally unify the division that I was born into. You know, my mind, my body, my spirit. Um, I want to bring generational wealth back to my family. And I want to make sure my kids, like, super good for whatever contract she set herself up with so mm-hmm. I picture you know we're making these this episode right now in 2022 but you know the internet is written in ink is something that I've heard and been burned by before so <laughs> when I think of you know like really what we're putting out there and what's going to stay out there on these platforms for a while I just hope that not only in 2022 this stuff is relevant and timeless but whoever needs that reference, I really hope that we can be that for them Mm -hmm. and just keep, keep showing, showing up and growing in our own formats. And yeah, uh, onto my favorite part. Music. Music. So I'm going to guess who we're going to hear. You can, but it's not them. (gasps) What? That's not. How, how is that even possible? Well, okay. So it's possible because they're not the only show that I've seen and I have a backlog. Okay. Then I know who else it is. Okay. And you might know who else it is because I just recently saw them. Yeah, that's why. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Because I was like, yeah, I'm going to do Incubus today. And I was like, no, we already did a little bit of Incubus concert footage. So, uh, three, four days before I saw Incubus in OKC, I saw, um, Kaleo in Kansas City. They are uh, amazing, and they're also from Iceland, and I did not know that I was going to see them. Uh, My best friend uh, bought their tickets for my birthday like uh, two years ago, and thanks to, you know, COVID and, you know, Save the Stages, all that fun stuff, the show finally got rescheduled for March 18th. And, um, I went to the show, there was enough room where I was like up front. I was a little over to the right more. I wasn't like right front and centered. Um, but I, once again, I was shocked that I could see this performer in front of my face and hear it live. Um, all their songs are great. The one that I'm going to highlight today, I have three from their concert that I'll spread out through season three and season four. It's called break my baby. Um, it's, The guy just hits the note perfectly. It's amazing. The show is great. As always, get your tickets, go to the show. (laughs) Um, But these guys uh, have really, they got hit a little hard with their tour being um, canceled over and over and over. Um, For anybody that doesn't 100% understand the music industry is musicians make their money touring. They get a percentage of the ticket sales. They get a percentage of the merch they get a lot of fun little percentages depending on who their management and who their backing is. Um, so if the band's not touring, they're probably not making money. Well, so I would guess their record sales go up when they tour as well. Well, don't get me started on record sales and digital downloads because Spotify does not pay anybody 
oh, really? what they're worth. Like yeah. the musician is like the last person to be paid, even though it's like their voice. So right. like you see the lead singer and you're like, oh, he's probably a millionaire with a bunch of bitches. Mm-hmm. But realistically, he probably hasn't slept in like three days, just found a ham sandwich because he's gluten free <laughs> and he doesn't <laughs> fuck bitches because he doesn't want an STD from a group right. in the back. <laughs> you know, like there's a, I know that there's a lot of, obviously like Hollywood-esque rock stars are so awesome Um, and they are and they do have a really fun um, lifestyle and there there are stories where yeah they have they make like the Jay-Z money and then there there's people that are really are just there for the music and they live that nomad lifestyle to be able to deliver that music and I don't know where Kaleo is in between all of that I just know that when I listened to their music for the first time, it absolutely touched my soul and I have not stopped listening to them. And I saw them in person. The The lead singer was 15 feet away from me. <laughs> we didn't make eye contact. It's okay. Like, I'm not a groupie and I'm not a fangirl. <laughs> I am so appreciative that you wrote this music that touches my soul. And I will have Break My Baby on the Spotify playlist for anybody that wants to download it. But right now, here's the live version, and please enjoy Plenty to Come. (laughs) 